we back. And 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 we back. This ain't no intro, it's the entree. Hit that intro with Kanye. I sound like Andre. Tryna turn my baby mama to my fiance. She like music, she from Houston, like Auntie Yonce. Man, my daughter couldn't have a better mother. If she ever find another, you better love her. Man, I swear my life is perfect. I can merge it. If I die, I'll probably cry in my own service. Ah, ah, it was a dream. You cannot mess with the pain. This is like this many rings. Y'all know what I mean. This is for the kids of the king of all kings. This is the holiest thing. This is the beat that ain't under the word. This is the shit that ain't like what it hurt. This is officially first. This is the third. This, this is a That's why we started it. That was some Chance the Rapper. Little Kanye West. With all we got. That was all for coloring. But that's a couple years old. I thought it was appropriate. Because we back doing it, man. Trying to get back in the swing of things. Uh, I had to take a little detour, obviously, to kind of address the big um, social issues that we're doing last episode. So this one's a little bit back to normal. Uh, this is episode number 83 of the Puro Caballero Show. In case you were wondering, this is the Pasolo Prodigy himself, the Masapandan, Mario Caballero, as your host, coming to you um, straight out here from Los Angeles, California. Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a while. There's going to be a lot of just uh, frivolous talk because, yeah, man, we need some distractions. I kind of put a lot of my thoughts and efforts as I mentioned before kind of what was going on uh, a few things I would like to mention before uh, I have actually been able to attend one of the uh, uh, the rallies uh, it was the Black Lives Matter one that happened a few Sundays ago it was on the 7th and yeah it was very well done there was a ton of people things like 50 to 100,000 people they reported all the way from like uh, Sunset or like Hollywood Boulevard near the freeway, a one-on-one entrance, all the way to like West Hollywood. I didn't make it the whole distance, but I made it a pretty long route. Met a few people, ended up meeting my roommate, David, who's been on the show before, and the homie Roger, too. Uh, another comic uh, friend of mine who also was on the show, so shout out to them. Uh, prior uh, TPCS members, um, but yeah, and guests, I should say. So um, yeah, I was out there, felt good. Um, everybody was taking precaution. Everybody's masked up for the most part, and to kind of um, ease my thoughts a little bit, I did actually take another COVID test the following day, which came back negative, which was good. It was like a day or two later, actually. But, um, yeah, I did that test over at 
Dodger Stadium, man. Long-ass line, but it actually came back a lot quicker than the other one I did. The other one, it took maybe eight days, nine days, something like that. So, yeah. That's still been ongoing. A lot of discussions around that. Some of the um, violence has kind of subsided a bit on... um, A lot of that has to be done with kind of the police kind of backing off a bit, which has been nice to see. And I... uh, I think on my last show, one of the things that I definitely uh, promoted without maybe considering some of the other more radical options there was the, I think it was the Eight Can Wait um, campaign. And it's not as radical as like defunding the police or abolishing the police, which a lot of people have been saying um, and promoting. So I think the defunding part is a very big factor because that's you know that's the 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 thing that gets the people's biggest attention unfortunately is people's pocketbooks and their wallets and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit of other contexts a little bit farther down the line when we get to the NBA in terms of their discussion about getting back and going again but uh, yeah sad reality but you hit them in the pocketbooks and things will start happening you start demanding change that way and it affects um, their revenue in that bottom line so yes I do think that is something that should be considered in different places because even with a lot of the policies put into place there's still constant mistreatment and just still a lot of prejudice and too much violence, too much escalation. That happens. And it's just systemic and it just, you know, keeps working in that way. And some of the issues is involved include just the structuring of how the police forces are, are, are put together and how they got the unions to kind of rep them at every single turn so it becomes very very difficult to actually remove somebody who is uh, an issue and a problem and yeah and then shit festers and then bigger issues end up coming up so um, yeah I'm all for kind of changing those perspectives and thoughts so in any event let's get to some more uh, I'll say lighthearted more just general entertainment type of stuff because that's the shit I like talking about, man. Let's have some fun on this. Uh, one of the things that kind of captivated the world for a while while there was no sports ongoing uh, was the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance. We talked about it a little bit. Ten-part docu-series that, or documentary that basically showed a lot of archival footage of the Michael Jordan-led Bulls of the 1998 season and how they try to finish off the final three-peat that he had in his career, uh, getting that championship there. And it was very fun, very interesting, and sparked a lot of debates about who's the GOAT and, and whatnot, and the different eras, and comparing, and, you know, the different impacts, and the legacy uh, of the sport, and how things have changed over time. I think it was uh, pretty good to kind of put stuff into perspective, and like how crazy that guy's life was, and how demanding it was and how he 
know, every time he had a challenge, stepped up to the plate, he pretty much came through. Not every time, but for the most part, man, that dude was vicious on the court. Freaking crazy. And, yeah, seeing how, like, that dude was just put together, like, not a lot of people have that, what he's got. That just, like, I'm going to get it done, fuck you mentality, you know? Especially, like, an athlete in a team sport, too. That dude is, uh, sure as hell, not the easiest per teammate to get along with, but that's just kind of his M.O., it seemed very genuine. When Kobe kind of did it, did it, it seemed more so that he was just kind of trying to follow in the footsteps, even though he still lean, tend to lean in that regard. Uh, you know, he trusted himself to get the job done. You know, more often than not, it was not the wrong decision. It's just difficult if you're his teammate to kind of be in the flow. Which some people expressed. I think Steve Kerr kind of talked about it a little bit too. It's just like, hey man, if you're... Um, <laughs> if you are... You know, somebody who's not the person they're in place for, it's, it's difficult. You just got to play your role. And just do that well and just be accepting, willing and accepting of it. And, you know, with NBA players, man, you got egos and these guys are the best at the, what they do. So, yeah, and just the way that, like, his career overlapped with Pippen's career and how they, they contrast with each other. And, well, MJ had the nice contract. Pippen kind of got screwed over a bit by management. And, I was resentful about that and how that shaped the whole dynamics and complexities of the team and that uh, that was really interesting to see and kind of rehash and watch and there was a lot of old beats that kind of got brought up the whole Isaiah Thompson stuff and just the little small beats that MJ would like create in his head the LeBradford Smith one like freaking um BJ Armstrong when he was on the Hornets. Little shit like that. The fact that Carl Malone got the MVP in 97. Uh, the fact that Barkley got the MVP in 93. Like all those little things. Kind of what drove that fool. <laughs> Pretty wild. Seems irrational and illogical, but... If it works, it works. I guess the proof's in the pudding there. So that was that was really good to see. And I, Jason Ayer, the director, did a very good job. Considering the circumstances where the film or the documentary is supposed to be released later in the summer, they pushed it up for the uh, the public to consume it during this you know quarantine period, and they were able to get it done. The last couple episodes, kind of uh, in remote work, which is not something and you know easy change to make. So. Congrats to them. They did a, a fantastic job with the the score and how they shot it. They uh, they did a good job with the overlapping timelines because uh, in general it covers the '98 season, but uh, or specifically it covers the '98 season, but in general it covers the breadth of Jordan's career. So it it steps back, looks at his childhood upbringing. There's episodes, the early ones 
about his high school career and college, getting drafted. And then as he get, becomes a part of the NBA and how he burst onto the scene, you know, you guys know the story. Had the struggles in the 80s, overcame those, and became just unreal in the 90s. So, and how that legacy kind of, uh, you know, developed and and all that. So if you haven't seen it yet, man, go watch that shit. It was, it was good. It was worth it. I watched them. I watched them like twice. There were some good ass uh, scenes in there. Some good moments in the later episodes where Jordan kind of seems uh, reflective on the sacrifices that he made and how he did certain things. And you know, he says, "I did it because that's how I thought I should do it." So, you know, sometimes not always the the easiest choice or the the nicest person as a result of that and so i think he kind of uh, he broke down a couple of times just thinking about it just like that's the reason why i push people is because i wanted greatness and that's what i strive for so so like he was concerned that he was going to look worse coming off of this documentary i think i kind of understand him a little bit more so i think that was a good uh good point that kind of was driven home in the, in the doc it's like this guy had a crazy set of circumstances and he just you know elevated himself from where he was at and was just so focused and so driven and you know the effect of his family and like his dad and how he passed away and tragically um, that was brought up his gambling exploits I think it was uh <laughs> it gave him like more cool points kind of so hearing those some of those stories of him talking crap him playing golf with like Danny Ainge and then like dropping 63 on the Celtics the next night like stuff like that freaking wild yeah man that dude's legacy is insane man might have to give me some J's soon uh I haven't rocked a pair in a fucking long ass time it might be time might have to get some Saw they got these sixes coming out a little pretty dope. I think they actually came out yesterday. Might be. Might need to check on that. I don't know. Alright, moving forward. Um, yeah, one of the things that came out on the documentary was um, they were discussing the Jordan Rules book that came out back in like 93, I want to say, 94. And this was, or 92, I think it was right before his last. Uh, championship run there before his first retirement to go play baseball and in that uh, book it kind of detailed that you know he wasn't uh, this angel pretty much <laughs> and he was uh, hard his teammates and all this other stuff too so they're wondering where the heck all the, the, the leaks and the sources are coming from and I think it was insinuated in the documentary that, that MJ believed Horace Grant was possibly one of those people who leaked the information. And after the documentary came out, Horace ended up calling MJ a liar for labeling him as the source. There's a lot of people who think it might have been Phil Jackson, too, because, I mean, hey, he's got kind of a history of talking to the press about certain things. And he himself is one who's written books about uh, tumultuous locker rooms and how that's, um, you know... Oh, it's been dealt with, been worked out. 
So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, following the documentary, there was a game-worn pair of Jordans that sold for a record $560,000 at auction. There's a Jordan 1, so those are the ones he wore his rookie season. That's pretty wild. I think he had like a... Uh, coming off his broken foot injury, he had a... Uh, one of them was a, a, a 13, the other one was a 13 and a half, I think. It was like one one size was bigger than the other because he had like a... Um, tape around his foot and whatnot. So yeah. Pretty wild. This dude is still having a crazy legacy. One of the things they did touch upon in the in the doc that was uh, I thought was important was his, um, I guess, lack of activism to a certain extent. Because there was that one case where he didn't endorse the Black Democratic uh, candidate for I want to say governor, North Carolina. He was facing the guy who was pretty racist too, so he didn't want to say nothing. Uh, considering that, he's actually said quite a bit in recent uh, weeks, which we'll kind of get into in a little bit later. But uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. That dude changed what it meant to be a superstar athlete and a global phenomenon in uh, in athletics, man. Everybody knew that dude. Crazy. This guy made... Yeah, I mean, he's the first athlete to ever become a billionaire, so... Very goddamn noteworthy. Pretty damn wild. So, yeah. I mean, moving on for basketball... We're, learn we're yearning for this NBA season to come back and finish up. I don't know about you guys, but I've been reading every single thing that's been coming out about the discussions of how to get this, uh, this season up and running. And yeah, I guess I'll share some of that info with you right now. Uh, first off, Adam Silver has talked to the players and about bracing them about playing in front of empty arenas next, not just this se this season, but into next season as well. Uh, if there's not going to be a vaccine available by then, which more than likely there probably won't be, uh, I think the idea is it's going to still take into next year, maybe the following year, until that could be developed. But they are, you know, moving forward with trials and testing and, and whatnot, so that is happening. Um, but yeah, so we got to We got to see about that vaccine. Get that moving forward. So the NBA and the players' union have extended the window to terminate the CBA through September. There's a force majeure clause, is what they say, where if they lose games, they can kind of rip up the agreement between the players and the owners and go back to the. Uh, negotiating table pretty much but doesn't mean it has to happen so I think the main issue is because of the there's gonna be a lack of revenue because if there's no player no fans allowed into the games and that's the a majority of 
are a big, big chunk of how these teams make their money. So they'll still have the TV rights revenues and all that stuff. But that's going to more than likely have a trickle-down effect into this player's salaries and how they get paid moving forward. So it's uh, still a lot of questions, a lot of questions to kind of answer. And we'll see how that those kind of develop. Doesn't mean the NBA necessarily will, or the owners will necessarily, you know, tear up the current deal. But they have the option to do so. Even though that there's plans currently for a return, you know, they're still not going to be able to play all the games that were originally scheduled on the book. So I think that was the, the big factor in determining that. So right now, Players Association and the league are currently in talks to kind of get this whole bubble situation down in Orlando in the Disney World, World of Sports campus situation kind of handled and sorted out. So, yeah, there's talks about, you know, who's going to be let in, how many people, how's that going to get sorted out. So some of that info is coming Players will have the, uh, the ability to get family to, to um, be involved in the bubble. However, that's only after the first round of the playoffs. So team has to get there because there'll be, there'll be teams eliminated by then. There's, um, so, yeah, prior to them announcing kind of the frameworks of everything, there was discussion about the fairness. I know. Damian Lillard came out and said he refused to play without any true opportunity to make the playoffs. Um, and, which his team actually got, I feel like. So 75% of the GMs vote for, voted for a play-in tournament. More than half of them actually wanted the 1-16 through 16 seeding. Doesn't seem like they're going to get that there. They're just going to get the 1-8 through eight in the East, 1-8 through eight in the West to make it a little bit more standard. Um kind of what the NBA's done in the past. They didn't want to make too many radical changes once they get kind of into the playoff structure of the format. So, um, eventually they decided to pick uh, 22 t out of the 30 teams of the league to bring them there. I think the cutoff was like within six games of the eight seed, five games. So that means in the West... You have teams like San Antonio, Portland, uh, Sacramento, even Phoenix. New Orleans is in there too. Uh, chasing Memphis. So I think it's if you finish within two games of the eighth seed, you get a chance to have a play-in game. So if you are um, the ninth seed, you play the eighth seed team. If you win... You play them again, you got to beat them back-to-back -back games. If you're the eighth seed, you just got to win one out of those two. So that's kind of the advantage there. So it makes it a little bit harder to get in if you're at the lower seed there. So what will happen is, uh, oh, I forgot to mention too, in the East they also included, uh, um, who the hell did they throw in there? Washington. They included the Wizards because they were within that amount of games for their their a seed on that side so 22 total teams and 
They'll eliminate that to 16, and then they'll just play the, the postseason pretty much the, how they typically do. Now, let's see here. Um, prior to all this kind of coming down, more of these frameworks, there was talks of them opening practice facilities. Some players question that, but eventually a lot of the uh, COVID lockdown laws have been slowly, uh, slowly opening up in different states and different places. So certain states had uh, the ability to kind of allow players to come in and do individual workouts. So that uh, that has slowly happened throughout the month, the month of uh, May. You know, it's currently June 18th right now, so some of this stuff has, has been developed and kind of moved forward. Um, yeah. Certain states kind of opened up at different times. Uh, certain NBA teams will be allowed to test for the coronavirus if there's enough testing for healthcare workers in the team's municipality. NBA was concerned about bad PR, about them taking tests away from people who might need it. So I think that's kind of been handled and taken care of there's been a lot of people who have uh or a lot there's been progress in the testing capabilities from different places so that's been a positive positive thing as of late so yeah uh but i guess while the facilities were closed there's a little bit of controversy there because some of the players had been using some of the practice facilities including Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid of the 76ers. Uh, NBA had also permitted uh, Zion Williamson of the Pelicans and Kendrick Williams, uh, both of the same team, to rehab at the Pelicans practice facility. So that's another thing that kind of got announced. And, you know, I don't know if everybody's on the same page for that stuff because, look, because uh, some NBA players actually practicing in unauthorized locations and just kind of doing it on the hush hush i think a lot of guys are doing that if they have private gyms uh local gyms that they can kind of get some run in do some one-on-one work or or what have you I'm sure that's happened i don't know there hasn't been a lot of players who talked about that per se i know jay jj reddick said that he has like a local gym that he's been using to kind of make sure his jump shot is still um still working still still in top form and all that so hey man <laughs> i get it i get it i mean even lebron he held private on court workouts with some of his teammates on the lakers so i mean he's not immune to that either um yeah i mean in regards to the testing thing teams had been told not to test uh asymptomatic players as the facilities were reopening um, to limit the number of testing they're kind of using and all that stuff. So that was, it was kind of uh, people getting back to practicing was a development. And then eventually the NBA players got on that call. Super, uh, CP3 kind of led it. Had LeBron, Anthony Davis, KD, Giannis, Kawhi, Curry, Lillard, Russell Westbrook, and some other guys. Uh, so they got on the call, kind of agreed, like, hey, we want to get back up and running. And so NBA was like, all right, cool. Uh, so we'll get in discussions. Eventually they kind of negotiated the deal with the 22-team 
uh, return eight game regular season the return date of July the 30th finals would start on uh, August 30th and October 12th would be the last date of the season so if there would be a game seven it would be played on that date so that kind of got ironed out and you know all uh, you know sorted out NBA recommended players driving, not flying back to their home markets if they were going to practice. Let's see what else. Um, but, yo, since then, there's been some developments, though. Because over the last few weeks, a uh, good handful of NBA players have been using their platforms to go speak out against uh, the, the social injustices that have been happening in this country. And a lot of them feel like they're, uh, you know, have been at the forefront and that their voices are know being hurt and you know using their platform for good so there's there's some questioning whether this return to play would not necessarily be beneficial for that movement and I think there's definitely some discussion to be had and in other other circumstances other instances where players have maybe considered this route there's been some who've regretted playing and thought that maybe they should have taken time off so I know Kyrie Irving Avery Bradley Dwight Howard and a few others are kind of leading this coalition of players that kind of got on another call that didn't have LeBron on it very noteworthy who have their concerns some of them are saying hey this is an opportunity for us to you know, continue with this this fight because it seems like there's some some progress and some momentum being done here, which I can agree with. Um, others are saying, "Hey, if we play, that's another big platform where we could still speak out and at the same time continue to to earn revenue that could be used and donated if you so choose to for those causes of uh, fighting." systemic racism, police brutality, those those type of things. So there's an argument on each, each side. I know Ed Davis, a uh, veteran big man, had said that it's probably easier for a guy like Kyrie who's made a lot of money in his career so far um, where he's kind of set and he wouldn't necessarily need to ever work again if he so chooses not to. But then you got a lot of other players who have a lot of guys that depend on him on them so they could definitely use those payments that they're going to get the, the checks if they you know decide to go play in Orlando so there's a current discussion that's kind of ongoing and it's kind of developing I think both sides have their own merits so I don't want to necessarily trash one or the other I don't know if I'm particularly um, against them sitting out for those reasons it would suck as a fan but you kind of have to understand and What's kind of been mentioned before, too, is that, um, you know, kind of it, 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 it depends a lot on where, what the opinion is from some of the top players. Because if you get guys like, if you get LeBron who says he's not playing, then like the, the whole NBA might not play. Because I know Patrick Beverly had mentioned that like in a tweet recently. So uh, one of the things I was listening to as well is that, 
I kind of what we mentioned is like uh, before. I was listening to Andrew Schultz. He just had a clip earlier earlier today. He's talking about how, you know, if you want to make an effect on the people at the top of the financial structure, which would be the owners, which are billionaires on uh, on average, you you know you got to flex your financial muscle and be willing to say hey we're willing to to not have this happen and you know have a list of demands until say x y and z is done and then once you get those guys uh motivated to start making changes making calls to their governors their mayors their police uh unions or the head of the, the police chiefs and, and all that stuff then maybe you can actually get some change done and so I understand very much that sentiment. I think Lou Williams had brought up kind of that uh, that idea that that would be somewhat more uh, the most effective way, you know, not to just say we're not playing just to not play, but if you have a set of demands and be real structured with it, I think that could be positive as well. So something else to kind of look look into. So. Yeah, I think players will have a chance to decide. I know it was announced that players who opt out of the NBA return must inform their teams by June the 24th. So it's going to take you got they got a, a little bit over a week to make that final decision if they're going to go. Cuz yeah, there's some guys that don't want to go based off of health uh, concerns in regards to you know either having uh, loved ones at home who think might get sick or they don't want to possibly do, uh, you know, leave them, or um, some people have had, you know, newborns, they don't want to, to leave their wives for, for that reason, or some people have health issues themselves, and they feel like they might be more susceptible if they're in that environment. I know Disney said they will test pretty regularly, and do, you know, constant temperature checks, and they're going to have monitors for, for people who are not playing who are gonna it's gonna determine if you're within six feet like social distancing monitors and other people if you're within six feet with this more than six seconds it'll go off or something like that there's also supposed to, supposedly gonna be a hotline for people to report if you see someone not social distancing if the players leave the bubble for any reason there's like time periods that they have to uh, quarantine in another different hotels Oh, the other thing, too, about the hotels, not that it really matters to us, but they, they bracketed them off. They have, like, three different hotels based off the seating. So, um, yeah, once those teams, some of those uh, bottom teams get eliminated, then they'll be able to get more room so they can bring the family in. So, I mean, that's the idea, I guess, at the moment. So, um, yeah, uh, I know Mark Cuban, he's been advocating for even, like, having HGH uh, use exempted as a tool for injury. Uh, and recovery so that's uh, I think out there uh, it'll be interesting because it's supposed to be locking everybody down there is question there was question about the, the older coaches who technically they're at uh, greater health risk just by their age if they were going to be able to participate it looks like the coaches association is going to be pretty adamant that they want guys like Alvin Gentry Mike D'Antoni um trying to think who else there's a couple older other assistants too that are uh, up there in age yeah they want them to be able to participate 
So I think uh, I think ultimately they will. I think they're willing to sign off on waivers and all that stuff too. So that uh, that'll help them out. Um, being able to participate if they do so choose. There, yeah, there'll be pe uh, people will be wearing masks if they're not on the bench directly. So if you're an assistant coach, uh, or like one of the many assistant coaches, will kind of sit on the back, the second row. You'll be have a mask on. Players will be able to watch other teams play. There'll be other other amenities. I know they said that there's going to be like um, pools. There'll be pool tables. There'll be card games, movie screenings. There'll be concerts with DJs and stuff on that campus. So it'll be interesting to see. I feel like, oh, the other thing, too, they're saying, I guess in relation to HDH testing, they will be still be testing for, obviously, the virus and for some performance-enhancing drugs, but I don't think the recreational drugs are necessarily going to be tested upon, which begs the question, who the hell is going to get caught smuggling weed into the bubble, man? Because that's going to happen. I, that, that shit's got to happen, man. It's going to be smuggling weed and possibly smuggling women into the into that environment or leaving to do those things so it, like if you're a team who's like on the edge and maybe you play a couple of those eight games and you're like already not looking like so hot that you're gonna make it i think the likelihood of some dude on the bench just saying screw it i'm gonna go to downtown orlando i want to go out or whatever the hell i think those go up so <laughs> yeah it's uh it's something to watch out for. I feel like there's a chance that that might happen. But you know what? I hope these guys hold it together. And ah, I don't know. I just want Sacramento to make the playoffs, man. That's all I want. It's been since goddamn 20, 2006, man. It's been too goddamn long. Um, even if they get scraped by the Lakers in the first round, I don't give a shit. I just want to watch it happen. See See what happens on a neutral court. That was the other thing, too, since the there's no home court advantage anymore. They're thinking of ways to kind of uh, incentivize the home team, I guess. I don't know if they're going to make any rule changes. There's talks of maybe them getting the ball out of bounds uh, second, third, and fourth quarter or having a one player designated to get seven fouls instead of six. There was a couple things like that kind of suggested. Uh, ooh. There was, what else? The, I think the most the, the most reasonable thing that might happen is that they'll take the home courts, uh, the hardwood from the home places, and just have them reinstalled into the arenas so that they could have a little sense of normalcy, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. It's wild. We'll see. July 30th, tentatively. Got to see if the players are going to say... Yes, or have any issues with it? Oh boy, um, so wild, so so wild. I guess other things in regards to the NBA, they um, this is gonna be a big financial burden for for the league though. One team estimates the NBA salary cap could drop by thirty million for next season. For that reason, I, there was a, another conference call with some of the players on rookie contracts who are about to in theory get paid after this season concludes they're up for like max extensions they also wanted some guarantees uh just in the event that 
some injuries might happen as a result of this unique circumstances. So um, we'll see if anything of that happens. I know Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, and De'Aaron Fox were some of those guys. I think Donovan Mitchell possibly as well. I can't remember if he got paid or not. Um, so yeah, those guys are I know all up for for some of those extension offers. So we'll see. We'll see what the NBA could do for them. Because um, that, that seems a little less likely to happen. Um, however much that sucks for the team and all that. So, yeah. NBA did move the draft from uh, the draft all the way to October the 15th. They are targeting currently a December 1st opener for the 2020-2021 uh, season. But there was some questions by the head of the Players Association, Michelle Roberts, about like, hey, like this is like kind of a quick turnaround if we're going to end the season and not even like have like two months off. So, um, yeah, that was kind of a concern. And I think very, very much uh, a big one. The idea was that they still wanted to condense the season and have it finish under his normal time frame because they'll want the NBA players to participate in the Tokyo Olympics in uh, next year. It's originally supposed to be this summer, but now they moved it to next year, so they got to fit the timeline of the NBA season to kind of match that, too. Or at least that's the idea. Because that would suck if you have a Tokyo Olympics without any NBA players there, so that wouldn't be very fun. So, um... Yeah. Fucking crazy. Alright, so Jerry Colangelo, head of the uh, NBA Hall of Fame committee, announced that the 2020 Hall of Fame ceremony will be pushed to 2021. They wanted to have it in person so that the class can really celebrate it. I know this upcoming class was pretty legendary. Well, the late Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, those three are some of the greatest players of all time. So... They wanted to make sure to give them their due, which I understand. Um, rest in peace to the jazz coaching legend Jerry Sloan. He passed away at the age of 78 uh, a few months back. Darren Williams, one of his uh, uh, star players during his tenure there in Utah, who ended up having a falling out with them, which led to his trade uh, to then New Jersey and then eventually Brooklyn Nets uh, he says uh, it would have haunted me if you hadn't reconciled with Sloan because it looks like last year I think last year or the year before they were able to hatch things out and kind of bury the, the hatchet which is good to see you never want to see those kind of things like linger on for too too long uh, over personal issues so I think that's pretty good but uh yeah, a passed away right around the time of the documentary coming out. So I still find it kind of crazy that he didn't know that MJ was sick during that flu game. So, but man, yeah, he had his team running that goddamn pick and roll like to perfection for the most part. But yeah, that dude. John Stockton, Carmelo, just humming for years and years and years. And got two finals appearances out of it. 
coached the team for like 20 some odd years. One of the most accomplished NBA coaches of all time, no doubt. So rest in peace to him. Um, so in jazz news, the vice president was saying that the relationship between Gobert and Mitchell is improving and they are, quote, ready to put this behind them. If you do not know, Donovan Mitchell got a positive COVID test as a result of Rudy Gobert pretty much not giving a damn and acting an idiot. So they were obviously pissed, or he was obviously pissed at them, but it looks like they might be willing to put that beside them as this uh, season is maybe getting underway. I don't know. Their teammate, though, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, did decide to go uh, and have under uh, season-ending wrist surgery. So he's going to be out for the year. He's not going to come back for this bubble situation. And for the Spurs, Marcus Aldridge uh, also had a surgery to fix his shoulder that will keep him out. So both guys will be no longer. Uh, and off-the-court news, the Brooklyn Nets... Uh, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie uh, he had this crazy plan where he wanted fans to choose his next team that he would sign with um, through his GoFundMe campaign I think he wanted to raise 5 million and if that happened he would yeah, put it up to a poll for the fans so after a week this dude decided Nah, I think I'm not going to do that now. <laughs> and he's just going to donate everything to charity. The reason being, my guess, is he only got 1000 and $150 to donate to him because the fans care about the players, but they don't care that much about the players. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Especially a player like, like uh, Dan Whitty, who's like a, a very solid, very good player. But he's not a superstar game changer who's going to automatically make you a title contender if you get him. So, I understand what he's going for, but, like, come on, bro. Like, really? <laughs> so, I hope you get all the money, man. I hope you get all the money. Hope the hope it went to good charity. Uh, some other rumors. Uh, there's rumors that the Warriors are playing on trying to get Giannis Antetokounmpo for a few years now. Um, good luck. Join the rest of the NBA. Uh, what else? Uh, Nets have discussed ways to acquire Bradley Beal, which seems like they're going to keep needing to discuss because I don't know if they got the assets to do so. Uh, Beal's signed an extension recently. Team still has control of him for a minute, so... Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Kevin Durant ended up purchasing 5% stake in the Philadelphia Union MLS team. So, congrats to him. He joins James Harden, who's invested in the Houston Dynamo team. Has other NBA players that have uh, you know, had some ownership stake in MLS. LeBron actually... Uh, Owns part of Liverpool, <laughs> which is crazy. It's part of that ownership group. That's like the biggest flex, man. EPL. Ooh. 
But yeah. Shout out to KD. Let's see. Uh, New York Knicks are still looking for head coach. Looks like Tom Thibodeau is now on the top of their list. We'll see how that goes. Uh, it'll still probably be trash. A uh, lot more screaming and yelling about the defensive end, but they'll still probably be trash. Speaking of Giannis, he actually had his Twitter and his bank account hacked uh, in May. That was a pretty scary thing. I know his, his Twitter account started like shit talking a bunch of other NBA players and like saying really inappropriate stuff, and he had to issue an apology and all that stuff. But yeah, that sucks if his bank account got hacked too, man. That's, that's a little, it's a little much, no? All right, uh, Zion Williamson, former marketing agent, files a lawsuit with them, saying that he was paid to attend Duke and was willing to come out and show examples of his, um, you know, inappropriate funds that he got. I think he showed the house that his family lived in when he was there at Duke as one example because they were living pretty nice. Now, ultimately, I think this was a case brought against him because he changed his agent and decided to go with another agency and so it's kind of bitterness there and they feel like they weren't I guess compensated or whatnot so that's uh, that's kind of the scenario where he's at now so so yeah speaking of agencies uh, the Ball Brothers decided to sign with Rock Nation Sports so they're joining the Jay-Z led crew believe they rep guys like Kyrie Irving I know they had like uh, Todd Gurley in football um, yeah let me see oh shoot they rep Andre Ward that's what's up Alex Witzel over for Borussia Dortmund okay Al Farouk Amino let's see who else we got uh, Chris Levert, Carl Butler, CC Sabathia. Okay, got a lot of people here. Okay, okay. Danny Green, all right. Dennis Smith Jr. Let's see, Des Bryant. Let's see, a lot of oh, some baseball players. Eddie Rosario. Oh, Bernadeschi. I don't know Bernadeschi was a part of that. That's cool. Let's see. Ha, <laughs> they rep Hugh Jackson. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, Jalen Rose is a part of that too, man. I didn't know that. How did I know that? Uh, NFL guys. Let's see. Oh, Juju Smith Schuster. Justice Winslow. Oh, Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. There's LaMelo on the list now. Leonard Fournette. LaMelo, Leangelo, Lonzo. Oh, we got the, Mar the Marcus Morris. Markel Fultz, Markeith Morris. Damn, son. They got people from all over. Oh, shout out to Nick Kajkowski on the Raiders. He's repped by them. That's what's up. That's what's up. PJ Washington, Patrick McCall, Robinson Cano. Okay. Romelu Lukaku. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Rudy Gay. Got some folks on here. Saquon. All right. Skylar Diggins. Okay, I see you. I see you. Yep, mentioned Gurley. Uh, oh, Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's a Rock Nation guy, man. <laughs> okay. Okay. Okay, I see you. 
Tyrone Minks? Oh, from Aston Villa. Biller. Uh, oh, Johannes Suspedes. Damn, is that Grand? Alright, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of other guys I didn't mention. But yeah, Rock Nation, man. Building it out. Let me build it out. Alright. Where was that? Where the fuck was that? Yeah, so Ball Brothers, they're on there now. They obviously went through their whole experience of uh, doing their own thing themselves with Big Baller Brand and how that kind of went and kind of didn't go so well. So, uh, best of luck to them. I know LaMelo looks like he's going to be a top pick. He might be number one. He's going to be top five. For sure. So, he, he grew, man. He's a big, big dude. Well, I say he's like 6'7 now. So, if he's got that, that handle and that range that he had in, in high school that he showed a few years ago. Uh, yeah, he, he could be a problem. Who knows, man? Who knows? Let's see. Meta World Peace uh, changed his name to Meta Sandiford Artest after he married his wife, Maya Sandiford. So, yeah. Still Meta. But no more world peace, I guess. I guess that's fitting. That this was reported before this whole like George Floyd protest started happening and stuff. So I think that's kind of fitting. A little, a little much. Um, let's see. LeBron producing a basketball themed movie that's gonna have Adam Has uh, Adam Sandler in it. It'll be called Hustle. Uh, Sandler's gonna play an ex scout who discovers an international player overseas. So looking forward to that man uh uncut gems was cool man we'll see if this is gonna be uh more of a comedy than a drama i assume it probably will be but who knows who the fuck knows all right the euro league uh basketball canceled the remainder of their 2019-2020 season so they didn't get that going let's see Big three, they're delaying their reality show preseason tournament to August or September. The regular season has now been canceled. The thought was that they were going to move it to the fall into the wintertime, but that doesn't seem very likely now. All right. Uh, Russell Westbrook looks like he's going to executive produce the uh, docuseries on the Tulsa Race Massacre, also known as the... Uh, Black Wall Street incident that happened, which I think kudos to him. Obviously, he's got ties to uh, state of Oklahoma, having played for the Thunder for so long, beginning of his career. So that's a very important story that needs to be told. I think that's a story that a lot of people are starting to become aware about. It's the first time that American Army has actually bombed. Uh, its own citizens and it happened as a direct result kind of uh, of a very promising black community in the state of Tulsa that kind of was independent and were you know doing well for themselves there was uh, a false claim of uh, I think a black man who either um molested or uh, sexually assaulted a white woman that I think was not found to be true that led to um, basically people destroying and demolishing that uh, community so and a lot of bodies ended up being buried that were not discovered until decades generations later so there's a lot of uh, um, people who are trying to be forgotten and so it was pretty sad and just goes to show you like the 
the lengths that some of the the uh, people who hold prejudices will go to put people down. So it was just, it, it's, I'm glad that Russ and his company are going to be teaming up there to help uh, produce that series. So that information needs to be be out there for people. Um, talking about Michael Jordan earlier and his social justice causes, he's actually committing a hundred million dollars over ten years to social justice causes now. So I think that's uh, very much a step in the right direction. He's somebody who is obviously a hero to many, regardless of uh, your background. But um, you know, represents so much, man. And I think that's a good move. That's a good move there. Uh, moving into the NFL, there's more controversy, obviously, on that playing field in regards to racial relationships with the uh, protesting that's happened in the past few years and how that's kind of evolved and morphed over the years. And there was an incident that happened with Drew Brees uh, about two weeks ago where a reporter had asked him about the current protests and his thoughts on the possibility of people kneeling again during the national anthem and he had a, a response saying something about how he didn't feel like people should disrespect the anthem and the flag and anybody who disrespects that isn't uh, um, I can't remember the specific quote he basically insinuated that stuff and it was just kind of like whoa bro like I thought we went through this and I thought we understand now that that's not what the kneeling was all about, man. It was about police brutality, not like the military or the or any of that stuff, right? So, a lot of people gave uh, backlash against him and came out and were adamant that he just, you know, needs to learn or ed become educated. He did talk to Malcolm Jenkins, who's currently on his team, who had an impassioned speech and basically told him to, to just shut the hell up on this situation at the moment like look man like you need to listen and understand where we're coming from on certain things and to his credit to Breeze's credit he did release a couple different apologies prior or uh, following that um, that initial statement that he made after he had talked with a few people so it seemed like he did he was uh, to a certain degree reconciling some of the things that, that he had said before there's a lot of people who are going to give him the benefit of the doubt based off of some of his uh, work that he's done in the past in the community of New Orleans and um, how he's helped a lot of different people, specifically the black community post-Hurricane uh, Katrina, which was uh, some of the, the, you know, the more helpful things that were done during that time frame. So he's... Uh, you know he's done good stuff, and people people are more willing to hear him out than than others. So I think it's good that he understands. It seems that he understands where he's should be at, or you know where the perspective and the discussion should be. So um, you know there there were people who did want to attack him and listed a lot of his ties to a lot of uh, socially conservative people. I know he's been photographed with like Trump and Pence and other people like that in the past too so I mean I don't think he's gonna necessarily be the 
the beacon of per the person is going to be asking for change there, but I, I think he understands in general where where the discussion is going. Uh, that's all like that's all I could hope for. That's all you can do. So it's a lot of talk about how that's going to splinter the locker room, or is it going to be something that they could rally and build upon? Who knows? Who knows, man? Who knows if there's gonna even be a season at this point? I was reading today that Dr. Fauci said that if they don't have a bubble environment for the NFL, then it's gonna be almost impossible for them to have a season. Which might be a little bit on the conservative side, but I understand where he's coming from because I think there was some discussion about that in baseball, some other sports, about how the virus is going. So I get it, I get it. But anyway, the NFL, like, they've done kind of like a turn turnabout. Roger Goodell has, has uh, posted a lot of videos. There was some pressure internally as well, too, that kind of happened to kind of force it. But the NFL's kind of more open and receptive to promoting social justice causes now than they ever have been in the past as a result of a lot of the pressure that's happened. There was an internal employee who kind of reached out to a lot of the NFL players, a lot of the superstars, to produce a video where they come out uh, against, you know, racism in the country and mistreatment of the African American population by the police and all that. So, and that, that that I think did put a lot of pressure on the uh, the office, the New York City office, for them to step up as well which they did uh by committing 250 million dollars over 10 years to help combat uh racial injustices in america so um there have been like a lot as i mentioned a lot of statements um even to the fact where teams are acknowledging that like yes we should give colin kaepernick a chance so like it's gotten even to that point because that was like the i know goodell has been hesitant to even mention it and all that stuff but Seems like they're doing a bit of an about face. Some people say a little too little too late. I I think, you know, anything that can move the needle a little bit has got to be an improvement. So it might not be the improvement that you asked for, but um, as long as you get a little bit along the lines, I think it's, it's a positive. It's not where you should stop at by any means, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, damn, what else? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to be. You don't know if it's just like a lot of, uh, you know, political positioning to get the graces of people and then they just don't follow through on things, but we'll see. Because NFL has developed and started to fund some, some causes by that that uh, the players have been uh, asking them to as of the last few years. You know, even with the whole controversy with the kneeling stuff. So probably not in the best place, but in a better situation than they were in the past. I'll I'll say that. Well NFL they're trying to continue on uh, business as normal. So they released the schedule for this year. Raiders actually got four primetime home games this, this season. This is the most they've had, I think, ever. Because they got that new stadium in Vegas that's supposed to be finished. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the likelihood of that. You know, following this uh, 
This layoff. Yeah. So they're going to be able to finish that stuff. So that's exciting as a Raider fan. That's cool. That's cool. I do want to go to the games, man. I just don't know when that's going to happen. Because if you ask that he's got some tickets for Vegas. I would suck if he has to eat that cost and go to zero games this year. That would that would really suck. I hope that doesn't happen. All right. NFL is monitoring the return of German soccer amid this whole coronavirus pandemic. They've actually been playing for like the last like three or four weeks already because Germany did a good job of responding to the whole virus and all that. So they kind of locked everything down. So we'll see how that goes. I've actually watched a few of their matches and no fans, but it's nice to see people running around. Even if it's a league, you don't necessarily watch all that often. So, um, but yeah, so the NFL teams right now are exploring or trying to explore having training caps at sites with states and fewer restrictions. But then it came out that NFL teams are going to hold training caps only at their main facilities. So they're not going to travel. They're not going to be allowed to have any joint practices or any of that. And NFL cities facilities can reopen as of March 19th, a month ago, if the state guidelines allowed. So teams have been doing kind of like what the NBA has been doing, slowly allowing guys to kind of work out, not practice. Everything's been doing virtually at home. There's no OTAs. Those have all been canceled and pushed out. Uh, training camp is going to be interesting. Going to be interesting this year. NFL is testing modified face masks to prevent players from getting COVID. I'm not sure how that's going to work. Maybe just have a larger visor that goes from the top of the helmet to the bottom. I know there's safety precautions that kind of go along with that too. So there's reasons why they kind of moved away from players wearing visors a few years back. Um, we'll see. But... Uh, yeah, I know we had announced that Von Miller previously had tested positive for COVID, but it looks like uh, Ezekiel Elliott, too, of the Cowboys. Uh, it looks like the Texans also have some players that reportedly tested positive. This was uh, two days ago on the 16th of June. Yesterday on the 17th, it was reported that the Kareem Jackson, the Broncos, he's a cornerback, uh, he tested positive, too. So, I mean, these are guys just in the normal day-to-day and yeah i kind of agree with fauci there if you if you don't hold these guys down and just like quarantine them create a bubble it's gonna be tough to play these games so i have some concerns and i hope the medicine uh and the science speeds up and we're able to get something to address this because otherwise we're gonna have to make some adjustments so Speaking of adjustments being made, it looks like there's there was talk about the new Rooney Rule uh, that would use uh, draft picks to help fuel minor- minority hires. The thought was if you you would get like a fourth rounder or like you get like an extra draft pick if you decide to uh, hire either a coordinator or a coach or a GM uh, of color. Um, but yeah, it says now it's being tabled. But now there is a change so that you need two minority candidates to be interviewed for a head coach and at least one minority candidate for any coordinator positions. So, yeah, that was one of the things they said is that there's a lack of coordinator roles given into um, 
you know, minority coaches, which leads to a lack of head coaches that get selected. Um, the enemy, though, of Kansas City, he needs to be on high on people's list. Even though I don't like Kansas City, like, he's helped put together a pretty ridiculous offense. You'd figure he'd get more credit or deserves more credit there. Uh, I guess Andy Reid being the offensive-minded head coach gets a lot of that, too. So, um, yeah, I think he deserves another uh, a shot there. Um, but, yeah, let's see. There's been these issues with race in America that's been affected not just NFL players, but, you know, on the college level, too. Um, DeAndre Hawkins said that he admit uh, doesn't mention his alma mater of Clemson in the player intros due to the oppressive school figure of John C. Calhoun having uh, uh, prominence on campus. I think they had buildings named after him and um, some a statue, I want to say, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, this dude defended slavery, so I can see why. Um, yeah, it looks like Charleston, South Carolina is actually going to remove the statue of him. Because uh, it looks like a statue has been vandalized. Yeah. This dude, yeah, exactly. So, there's a lot of this stuff that's kind of like embedded in those uh, teams in the South there. And Clemson, I mean, they there there was other players that said like similar things that they had uh, issues with. They had an assistant coach who apparently I used a racial slur, used the N word, I think, um, in reference to a song that I think was being mentioned. And. Dabo Sweeney came out and said that he would have fired the coach if he directed the slur to player. So, um, yeah, not necessarily the best situation there either for, for players to be playing under there. Oof, 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 oof. So, yeah, man, a lot of these programs in the South need to kind of take a look, see what they could do to kind of better themselves and the schools too the schools themselves too man like this whole idea that uh, confederacy still needs to be promoted as highly as it does this was uh basically the fucking runners up in a two man race like these dudes fucking lost a war that lasted for about five years. So, I mean, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I cult, the cultures were crazy. I don't know. All right, let's get back on the, the health topic, man. Uh, we had, in college football, we had, we've got COVID, you know, ransacking that level too I think I had mentioned previously a member of the Oklahoma State University football team who got it while attending a rally in Tulsa um, well now there's three Auburn football players that tested positive on the 5th of June along with five Alabama players uh, University of Houston suspended their workouts after six positive athletes te- uh, six student athletes tested positive University of Texas had 13 players test positive 
that was just uh, over the last week. Oof. And it looks like Ohio State are going to require players to sign waivers uh, for COVID prior to their workouts, too. So, man, like if you think that it's a problem with the NFL trying to get things up and running where the athletes actually get compensated, can you imagine like the, the hoopla, what's going to happen if they try to force this college football season down everybody's throat? Like, I feel like shit might hit the fan for them, man. It might be crazy. Um, let's see here. Uh, Melvin Gordon, not Melvin Gordon. Uh, is it Melvin Gordon? Yeah, I'm tripping. Melvin Gordon of the Broncos. That's the, it's because it's, it's the Broncos. Melvin Gordon. Recently signed to Denver. Uh, they asked him what his thoughts were on playing in empty stadiums. And he says it's not going to be an issue because the Chargers, quote, didn't have fans anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, damn. Talk about a burn against your former team. It's so true, though. Like, I went to those games. It was fucking pitiful, man. It was bad. It was bad for them. So, I guess it's not going to be as big of an adjustment for him or anybody else who used to play for, for LA Chargers. Those few years they've been over here. They're supposed to move into that new stadium with the Rams and... If they got training camp, they're going to have uh, uh, hard knocks together. First ever, like, dual hard knocks with two teams. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought that shit was just fucking hilarious. All right, we'll talk about some more NFL. Let's talk about, like, off-season stuff, free agency shit. All right. It's like Todd Gurley finally passed his physical with the Falcons because they weren't able to do so because of COVID lockdown issues. Um, looks like Dalvin Cook might be holding out. Uh, unless he gets a, quote, reasonable extension. We'll see what happens. I know the Vikings going to say they're strapped for cash, so that'll be interesting to see. Let's see. A Raiders agreed to terms with Prince of Mukamara, so they add someone to the secondary who's a veteran. We'll see what he's got. There's been a lot of veteran quarterbacks that have come to Oakland, or not Oakland, come to the Raiders, I should say. Going to Vegas. He's going to Vegas now. So, they've been a part of the Raiders franchise, and have, uh, a lot of them have kind of banged out, so. Hopefully he does alright. Joe Flacco, he signed a one-year deal with the Jets, so, Flacco train moves on. Seahawks got a uh, one-year deal with Carlos Hyde. So that's, that's big there. Now, a couple guys are still big free agents who are currently unsigned. Uh, one of the biggest being Jadavion Clowney. There was talks that the Cleveland Browns gave him a big offer. He decided not to take it. I know Seattle's still interested in him. There's a couple other teams kicking the tires. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. He always seems like he's one of those guys that has a bigger impact than what his like numbers might in indicate. But, uh, you know... Like, he hasn't been a super big high sack guy, like double-digit sack producer, but he does well in the run, and he, he can be an explosive player. Has played injured quite often throughout his career, so he hasn't always been 100% out there, too. Last year, I think he had, like, a, a hand or a wrist injury uh, down the end of the season that kind of bothered him a bit. So uh, Another guy, too, Cam Newton, man. He still, still doesn't have a home. We'll see what happens with him. 
I don't know. There, I think there's teams that have considered him, but like have kind of moved on. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. ESPN and Tom Brady are in the works to release a nine-part docu-series about his career starting in 2021. This is a big, I think, momentum push after the Jordan doc for these guys to kind of get their legacies kind of out there on film. And I don't hate it, man. A lot of them are just kind of puff pieces. But the Jordan one was actually pretty introspective, considering the fact that he had to sign off on all of it. So we'll see what Brady gets into. Um, I don't know if I'll watch it or not. We'll see. We'll see. Let's see. Other news and notes. Uh, Earl Thomas's wife held him at gunpoint over a dispute last month. That was kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, I can't even remember the damn details. There's been so much shit going on. Uh, there was another incident with the uh, New York Giants' DeAndre Baker and the Seattle Seahawks' Quentin Dunbar. They were wanted for armed robbery. Uh, apparently, they were at a party in Miami that they ended up holding up. Uh, they held up a card table and left with jewelry and $7,000 of cash. Now, apparently, both Baker and Dunbar did turn themselves into police after they had warrants out for their arrest for armed robbery. But they did plead not guilty, so we'll see what happens down there. I think that happened down in Florida, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, down in Miami. So, shit is wild. Shit is wild. Apparently, somebody did fire shots, but there was controversy over who did what and who was involved so they're proclaiming innocence we shall see and even for the Raiders they're uh, I think I want to say third or fourth round draft pick Lynn Bowden uh, recently got handcuffed but he was not arrested apparently the police came in searched the family homes for guns I think there was an issue with I think one of his cousins or his um, brother some relative that they were investigating. I do not remember exactly who. But, yeah, he ended up being released and not charged with anything. So nothing is on his issue. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Is it another situation where the police used force and they didn't necessarily need to? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know the details. Is it a, a simple situation where some of his family members were... Uh, potential threats to the community? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Is the truth maybe somewhere between? Maybe. I have no idea. I don't know. Those are only details we got. I'm just glad that he's not in any legal trouble for the Raiders' sake, for his sake, for his family's sake. Um, yeah, those are my quick thoughts on that. I'm trying to zoom through this as much as we can. Uh, another Raider uh, player, Henry Ruggs III, their first-round draft pick. Got into an accident. He was uh, helping move some furniture with his family, and he, like, injured his thigh. But apparently he avoided any muscular damage, so I think he should be okay. Yeah, man. People getting injured, freaking doing all kinds of stuff, man. That's life. Speaking of the Raiders, looks like Elon Musk uh, is building an underground tunnel, an underground people mover down in Las Vegas. Thoughts that that could actually be used to take people to the Raider game. Uh, it would take a few years for it to be built and completed. So not for this season. If if there's fans in Vegas this season, it would be for the next year probably, more than likely. I'm interested to see how they're going to do that. How they're going to control the flow of people. And 
They already said no tailgating. I, I fucking always, I will always harp on that goddamn rule that they said no tailgating out there and that they're just going to want everybody and their moms to spend all the money on liquor and alcohol at the casinos. So, yeah. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, states are opening up. Some people are concerned it's a little too soon. And other people are like, let's just get it moving. So, it's little by little, man. Um, and in regards to pro sports, that is also, you know, been moving forward. Uh, obviously, Florida's been open. I think we talked about the UFC staging their fights out there, too. Um, they opened their state for all pro sports. Governor said, quote, we'll find a place for you. Uh, the governor of Arizona, Ducey, said pro sports can resume in the state on the May the 16th. So that's well over a month. Um, California said that they're targeting early June returns, which has already come and passed. Not much has really happened here in the state in regards to, like, athletics. So, um, But it looks like they're more open and responsive to that. Texas has been the most drastic, I would say. And they say that they have allowed fans to attend outdoor pro games at uh, 25% capacity as of March the 29th. Well, uh, they opened that up to pro and college venues all the way up to 50% capacity not even a week later, like on June the 4th. So Texas is just saying, just, they're just gone haul with it. I guess Florida is too. I mean, even like the more... Um, Liberal states have been conservative to open up. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, so, like, states like New York and California, they're even opening up a little bit because, like, uh, the New York pro sports teams were given the green light to begin their training camps as of uh, March the 24th. So that's been almost a month there. And the next week, it was uh, the mayor of San Francisco, London Breed, uh help clear the way for the Giants to return to Oracle Park in June also. Which doesn't look like it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, they're starting to say, hey, we'll let you guys get up and moving um, as long as you maintain the protocol. So, Which also, like, is interesting, too, because there's a lot of, like, foreign-born athletes who are, like, in other countries right now that don't need to come back to the United States if these leagues get back up and moving. And I think the President Trump did say that they will be allowed re-entry into the United States. And I don't think they would need to be quarantined. I think specifically for baseball, they wouldn't need to do the full two-week quarantine if, uh, if they're healthy. So, um, speaking of baseball, though, man, it has been drama-filled. Like, you think the NBA's been having issues trying to get their league back? MLB is, like, on a whole nother level. Like, these owners and these players just fucking despise each other so much it's crazy but anyway uh commissioner rob manfred did outline a health plan for the return uh did say lost season could cost owners four billion dollars with testing multiple times a week uh immediate testing of symptoms or in contact with a person who does have symptoms 24-hour test results daily temperature checks detailed travel protocol Limits on number of people at the ballpark, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to cost them a lot to do this. This is what they say. Uh, to help alleviate that, they did partner with uh, the lab that tests their performance-enhancing drugs to help provide testing for coronavirus. Um, 
MLB tell, did tell the union that several players and coaches have tested positive uh, so far. So they did take a 2020 proposal to the players um, after the owners had agreed upon it. This is maybe about a month ago. Uh, along with that, they did submit a 67-page player safety protocols, and it looked like you know movement was mo- you know we were getting the, the ball moving, we we're getting the discussions like all right maybe MLB will be back. But uh, MLB owners came out and say they were adamant about not paying players prorated salaries, which uh, at the time they decided to stop the spring training uh, games. They agreed. They said, hey, we will prorate your salary. Uh, for when we come back. And the players were like, all right, cool, that's perfect. Uh, but I guess that was under the assumption that fans would be able to attend. So now the owners are trying to say, wait, 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 wait. Now we got a different situation. The fans aren't going to be here, and now we need to renegotiate because we don't think that's going to be possible. And the players are like, yo, hold up. You're lying to us now. You told us one thing, and now you're telling us something else now. So... Um, the owners, they've been saying that the, uh, telling the players that each game held without fans would cost, on average, $640,000. Yankees would lose $312 million. Dodgers and Mets over $200 million, With the Cubs and Red Sox slightly under that. Tigers lose the least at $84 million on the year. If they don't have fans. So... That's what they're saying. But the Players Association won't agree uh, to the revenue plan. They label it as kind of like a salary cap. So if, the, if they shared uh, 50-50 players, 50-50 revenue split, the players would split $1.5 billion, which would be roughly one-third of what they usually get paid. So that's, a, that's kind of putting it in perspective. So, who the hell knows what's going to happen? At this point, MLB gave the union two choices. Uh, either renegotiate the salaries so they are not paraded or wait until they complain in front of fans. And Players Association was pissed off with those proposals. They said some cuts would be massive. Massive for the players. Players have come out saying, even Max Scherzer saying, there's no reason to gauge for further reductions if they're going to come out and keep saying this. So the Players Association has requested a 114 game season, expanded playoffs, deferred payments, and 70% of the original pay for the season, which the owners rejected. And they've been discussing more of a short, shorter season without fans. Um... Some owners are even willing to just cancel the season outright, like not even have a, a 2020 season, which will be kind of fucking crazy. Um, so, yeah, like I mentioned, MLB, they're proposing more of a 50-game season, full prorated salaries, which they technically have the option to just, like, push through, but they want the players to be on board with what they're going to say. because... Basically, MLB also came out with the option of saying, all right, we're going to give you a 76-game season, but we'll pay you 75% of the prorated salary. And if you do the math for the players, that doesn't make sense for them because they would say, we'd rather play only 50 games, you pay us everything, than us play 70 games, 76 games, and you pay us three quarters. Because if you, 
do the math like we're basically getting paid overall the same amount of money but now we got to play more games so you're getting paid less per game so that doesn't make sense for the players to do so so yeah that's pretty much it player association is trying to get more games out of it they're proposing 89 they propose an 89 game season with full, full prorated salary now MLB is proposing a 70 plus games with 80 to 85 percent salary as of last week June the 12th so shit is just every day every day there's something new about it it's just like back and forth back and forth um, Scott Boris at one point told the clients via email to reject their proposal saying don't bail out the owners <laughs> this is getting messy now because now even Trevor Bowers coming out saying that Scott Boris is meddling in their affairs for the union saying hey man let us handle this shit um, the Players Association at every step has just rejected salary rejections every single step. And so, like I mentioned, the, the owners could force that 48-game uh, schedule without any agreement. But um, the Stars are just saying, like, yeah, I put up or shut up now. They told the union men, tell us when and where. There's a lot of players that were tweeting out that support, like, tell us when and where, and we'll get it done. So the, the Owners seem to kind of be backing off a little bit that. Cubs owner even said that he still wants a season, but he says that the league losses would be biblical if nothing happens. Man, it's going back and forth. It's going crazy. I mean, the commissioner himself even, like, they had the, the MLB draft, first five rounds, uh, shortened version of the draft. And at that date, he said he was 100% confident that there was going to be a season. Five days later, he completely flip-flops and says he has no idea. So, I mean, it is so up in the air. Let's see. The current proposal from the league. 60-game um, season starting on June 19th. Full prorated salaries. Or, excuse me, July 19th. Excuse me. Full prorated salaries. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, July 19th. Like full full salaries, expanded playoffs, and a waiving of grievances. So you can't file grievances if anything happens during this time period. Well, MLB uh, Player Association, they have another proposal for a 70-game season. They sent that today, June 18th. So we do not know what the hell's going to happen. It is now looking like the... Owners are gonna, you know, pushed into like a, a position where it's like, hey man, we're not taking any cuts and we want more games. So they're negotiating the game part. I think they're gonna get their full salary forever, however many games they play. It's just now the object of getting it closer to 70, 80 games versus 50 games. Uh, less than ideal, obviously. Better than nothing, man. And, you know, one of the things that also is, is a factor is, is the weather, as it is in baseball oftentimes. But if this disease ramps up later on in the year as it gets colder, that's going to be a concern, too. Just Dr. Fauci, dude, saying that MLB shouldn't play in October to help curb the risks of the disease. So... See if that happens, man. See if that happens. Uh, 
like I mentioned before, MLB players won't have to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, there's already been so many concessions and so many changes made that are just like already taking place. Like for one, MLB is gonna use a universal DH for this year and for next year possibly. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, the players did agree to a new radical realignment proposal, which basically reduces or it eliminates the AL and the NL, and it basically puts every team in the West together, every team in the Central together, and every team in the East together. So that means you would play teams closer to your home market so you don't have to uh, have the risk of travel and have games at more uh, closer home ballparks. One of the things that was talked about, though, is uh, there is one team in Canada, the Toronto Blue Jays, so there's uh, a possibility that they may have to plan for home games outside of Toronto, outside of Canada. If that's the case, I think they would consider more likely their spring training facilities down in Florida, if not another ballpark in another city. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that would work. But, um, yeah, there's issues issues with stadiums right now. A's, A's are one of the more cash-strapped teams in Major League Baseball, or at least that's what they claim year after year. So... Uh, right now, they're refusing to pay their stadium lease due to lack of revenue and availability. Uh, I think it was used also as a site for um, COVID patients, like an um, extra facility. Um, I know, like other, talked about it before, other sports teams or whatnot have other. I've given use of the, some of their facilities to local health organizations to help with the efforts so yeah A's they ain't trying to pay their their rent pretty much right now uh let's see they also uh was gonna decide to stop paying minor leaguers on March the 31st they were making 400000 or $400 per week each minor leaguer small salary but now they changed their mind. They say they are going to pay the minor leaguers, saying, quote, we, we clearly got this decision wrong. I mean, to defend Oakland, though, there, there was 11 other MLB teams that did cut hundreds of minor league players uh, from their rosters uh, as a result of uh, cost-cutting measures for, uh, you know, um, what's going on with the COVID. There's been teams... And there's been players that have actually stepped up and said that they'll help out with uh, some of their salaries, including uh, David Price, currently of the Dodgers. He says he's going to give $1,000 to each minor league uh, leaguer who is in the Dodgers system. Uh, national players are going to help pay recently cut minor league salaries. Um, as there's also teams like I mentioned the twins are among eight teams that are paying them all the way through August which is pretty good considering this season most of the time ends right around that time August September ish so uh, Yankees are one of those teams that did decide to make some cuts they did cut 45 minor leaguers on June 1st but the rest of them they did say that they would be able to pay through the, re the month of June where they're at in a couple weeks, I do not know. I do not know. As a result of a lot of these pay cuts, uh, Super Agent Scott Boris did say that he was going to pay uh, minor leaguers' uh, salaries in full. Everybody was a client of his. Uh, but 
at the request of the players' union, he decided he, he's not going to move forward with that. So, um, yeah. Um, let's see. Colin McHugh, pitch for the Red Sox, did say MLB should allow players to opt out of the 2020 season. Kind of how the ML, uh, NBA is going to give that option to their players. Um, uh, let's see. You know, players want their guaranteed safety before agreeing to return. I was mentioned there. Uh, Miller from the Cardinals. Um, let's see. Ring ceremony for the Nationals got canceled. They're going to do a virtual one. Now they're just going to wait till they can do one for everybody. Uh, the economic crisis, uh, they say it won't impact free agency. Uh, Scott Boris talked about this in relation to Chris Bryant, who's going to be a free agent after the year. So he wants to be confident. I don't know how uh, truthful he is with that statement or if that's something that he's just saying, giving some lip service to. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I think one of the things that they see, though, is that MLB, the way they negotiate it seems kind of sketchy because on one side they say they're not making money, but on the other side, they just signed a new deal with Turner Sports for, uh, for broadcasting uh, after the 2021 season. $470 million a year for a total of $1 billion. Man, that's a lot. That's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah, man, it's crazy. Let's see what else. What other stories we got here? You got WBC, World Baseball Classic. That's going to be postponed until 2023. Smart move there. Um, MLB did have a study that they helped with for COVID antibodies. They had 5,754 participants and 60 employees eventually had it. So, the antibodies. So, that'll hopefully help on the research aspect of things. Uh, let's see. Former Astros and A's manager Art Howe was in the ICU with the uh, coronavirus. He did get released in the hospital on uh, May the 17th. So, that's the, the good news there. So, best of luck in all the recovery there for... Uh, for you there, Mr. Howe. Um, I do want to send my condolences to the Marte family. Sterling Marte's wife, uh, Noelia, did pass away of a heart attack last month. So, uh, very, very tragic, very sad situation. Um, I'm very sure. So, we send our, our prayers, condolences to the Marte family. That is pretty tragic there. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Tough, tough, tough. Um, I know you had talked about this in the past. Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez were talking about purchasing the the Mets. There was a report that they had ended their bid, but a follow-up report said that they may be preparing a secondary bid now. So we'll see if that happens or not. I do not know. Uh, former A's pitcher Dallas Braden says that he threw his perfect game while hungover on Mother's Day. Uh... I think he said that there was a friend that came to visit him and ended up getting some beers, ended up getting more beers than they normally get. He came back later than expected. He went out there and was still feeling it and threw a perfect game. So, I don't know. I don't know what that says to people. 
I don't know. I don't think he sees uh, proud of that aspect of it, but that just adds to the Dallas Braden, Braden legend, baby. Stockton zone. All right. The Milwaukee Brewers home stadium of Miller Park got vandalized recently on June the 2nd. Guy ended up trying to write his name in cursive with a stolen tractor. Look at the balls of that guy, man. That's freaking wild. Freaking wild. In cursive. <laughs> they said he did, only did limited damage before they stopped him, so it wasn't that big of a deal, ultimately. They got enough time to grow the grass out. It'll be all right. Um, yeah. I guess we can talk about racing baseball, because that's... Uh, like racing everything has kind of been a, in the news. Baseball has been a little uh, has been on the forefront traditionally in terms of you know pushing those discussions. Obviously with Jackie Robinson, and there's a lot of great players of the '70s as well too. In recent years, maybe that's been less so, but um, there's still still a long history of a lot of good, amazing black athletes who played the game. Uh, one of those being Tory Hunter. There's a story that came out that uh, he had a no trade clause in his contract for most of his career that included one team in particular, and that was the Boston Red Sox. Uh, and that was basically because he f uh, dealt with racism from, uh, from the fans uh, in the stands pretty much in Fenway. And his team, the Red Sox, and former players all acknowledged that this happened. I know Kevin Euclid is one of the guys that mentioned it and saying that he even had teammates on the Red Sox that were got uh, racially uh, abused uh, from the fans, where he was upset. So, and I mean, Tory Hunter did say that he did hear other stuff in other cities, including, uh, I know Seattle was one of the places he mentioned. I think Kansas City was another one too. But. Uh, yeah, it's that's that's sad. It's sad, sad to say that there's still certain places that people don't feel comfortable uh, as much as others, um, based primarily off of their the color of the skin, and that's that's unfortunate, man. Uh, kind of along those note, that same note, uh, Oakland A's player Mark Canna says that sometimes I wish I had knelt with uh, Bruce Maxwell, his former teammate, uh, catcher who was the first MLB player to kneel during the National Anthem. Canna was photographed next to him with his hand on his shoulder. But in light of what's kind of happened recently uh, with the peaceful protesting as in, um, and kind of the lack of direct action that happened after that and seeing the action that's kind of happened as a result of the protesting and the rioting that's been going on in the country that some people are feeling a little bit remorseful, like, hey, man, like, we could have done more back then. So, Mark I, is along that side. And seeing what happened to Bruce's career after the fact of it, too, is just is difficult to see. Because he's tr still trying to make it back to the MLB, but he feels like he's been blackballed. He got a lot of death threats after he was doing that. And I know there was, like, a delivery, I think Uber Eats or someone, um, a food delivery guy who ended up delivering food. And he was, uh, he claims that he was very much under um, a lot of stress and had a firearm on him and I pulled out the firearm at that time so yeah I know he got arrested because of that too so it's uh, 
Yeah, man. Crazy. Crazy stuff. I hope I hope he has a chance to make it back. If he's, you know, worth it. If he's got the talent. Which, I don't, uh, his bat necessarily didn't have the best numbers for when he was up with the A's. I think he was a solid defensive player, but I don't know. I'm not privy enough to give you an opinion on that part. So, if he makes it, he makes it, he doesn't, he doesn't. On the topic of ESPN and doing documentaries, they did have a, a couple that got released. One of them was Imperfect, the Roy Halladay story, which detailed his struggles personally um, with his mental issues and how he coped with it, how he uh, went about his career and his tragic downfall. Obviously, you know, passed away due uh, to like a private plane accident that happened a few years ago so it was well put together well done um, they also have another one for I think it was uh, Long Gone Summer so McGuire Sosa doc that aired last weekend I haven't had the chance to watch this one yet so that's on my uh, definitely on my watch list though so that's it that one's up there alright let's move to Champions League man let's do that shit uh, let's just move to, to the world of football. All right. We'll do that. Talk some fight game. A little political stuff. And then we'll wrap it up. All right. So world of soccer is on the return. It's coming back. It's for sure back. It's uh, it's moving forward, man. Uh, Champions League. That's like the, the big competition that people were looking forward to. It's actually going to be moved to Lisbon. They're going to have uh, the A-team tournament. The last couple rounds. Uh, they have the final on August the 23rd, and Europa League is going to be played in Cologne, Germany, in that area. Lisbon and Portugal, they did a good job of responding to this virus, so they haven't had that many cases, so that's why they decided to hold it down. There are still a couple matches in the round of 16 that need to be played, and they still got to figure out if those are going to be ho uh, hosted at the home teams or if they're going to just do those in Lisbon also. But progress is made. Um... Premier League, they just made their return yesterday, but uh, there was uh, it took a while to get back up and running. A lot of clubs did oppose neutral venue plans. Um, they did eventually settle that out and say, "Hey, all right, we'll play at the home home stadiums." Um, the Championship they are resuming in a couple days as well. There was talks that they might actually get up and running before the EPL, but uh, that ended up not happening. Uh, league one and league two did end the vote to end the season. Those are the third and fourth leagues um, in England. Let's see. Uh, clubs uh, in all leagues have been allowed up to five substitutes, and the, given the decision to scrap VAR if they choose to. Um, those five substitutes have have to be made on three stoppages. So you can make a substitute at halftime, and that doesn't count as an extra stoppage. If you decide to halt the game for a sub, uh, you can only do that three times. So you would have to make t multiple subs at a time if you don't do it at halftime, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's kind of how it is. Uh, so you see teams will make, like, uh, double substitutions more often now, which is good. Rotate players, make sure they don't get as injured, all that stuff. Let's see. Um... 
let's see. Looks like they expect uh, West Ham's vice chairman said teams are expected to play with just 15 fit players if there's an outbreak within the team or people get injured. So that kind of moved forward under those rules. Um, their training rules did include no tackling. They had disinfected pitches, training equipment, COVID tests twice a week, social distancing rules, practices, practicing, practicing social distancing rules. They had all that in, in effect prior to the, the restart. So, um, yeah, they resumed training on May the 27th. Uh, teams still have a June 23rd deadline to decide if they're going to re-sign players that have deals that expire because most of the deals end in at the end of June. Some players, like Pedro, decided he's going to go to a team like Roma and just like sit it out. There's other guys that have decided, like, let me finish the rest of the season and then we'll make a decision after that. So... There's uh, some of the some of the guys that have signed on to continue the deals. Let's see. Um, let's see. They said they were confident about a June restart. Some of the doctors are questioning the start. They were getting test results quicker than frontline workers, so they're getting it around 24-hour results instead of 48 or 72 hours. Um, now these are sourced from a private firm in Hong Kong for a cost of four million euros. That is uh, not taken away from the resources from the local uh, health uh, organizations there. There have been quite a number of tests, though, since they've been doing this, like, bi-weekly, right? First round of testing had six positive results. Uh, three different clubs, Burnley and Watford, were two of those clubs. They had 750 tests in the first round. Second round, they had two more tests from two clubs out of 996 players tested over three days. One of those guys was Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth. He was pretty shocked on uh, his diagnosis because he's, he says he must have got it from a shopping trip and nothing else. So just shows you how little you could do and still get it, man. Still get it. Uh, let's see. They, uh, they had four more positive tests out of 108 tests, uh, people tested from three different clubs. This was done May 25th on 26th. At that point, Watford confirms two more players were forced to self-isolate. Two Fulham players and one other person are isolate, isolated after, I think it was the fourth round of testing. Only three out of 1,030 came back positive. Uh, one of those people was Watford's Adrian Mariapa really wonders how he got coronavirus similar to Ramsdale. He says, quote, I really haven't left home. So it's we're still there's still so much we don't know, man. In their fourth round of testing, they didn't get any any new cases. That was done on the 28th and 29th of May. 1,130 tests total done. Fifth round of testing. Uh, they had one positive test at Tottenham that was done on June 3rd out of 1,197 1, tests there are too many numbers I gotta read here Jesus during their 6th round of testing they got 0 new cases well, that was positive and that testing was done on the 4th and 5th of June 1,195 total people tested. They got one new case 
during their seventh round last week on the 8th and 9th of June. 1,213 folks tested then. During their eighth round, <laughs> they had two more cases. One of the Norwich City players has now been recovered. Those tests were done on the 11th and 12th. 1,200 tests total done. One new case during the ninth round of testing. Uh, and I was on the 15th and 16th. During that time, there was 1,541 tests total done. So they're getting a little numbers every single time. Very little numbers, but it's still creeping in here and there. So um, doing a very good job of maintaining the testing and keeping that up and moving. So, uh, so far, that's allowed for the restart to kind of happen. Um, so, yeah, we had some matches yesterday. We had some matches today. Um, they kind of got the the ball moving for the season to start again. The Friday tomorrow is going to be the official start for all 20 teams to get back up and moving. So that'll be cool to see. Uh, let's see. We'll go over some of the... Let's see what else we got. FA Cup, uh, FA Cup final is going to be on August 1st. Uh, let's see. There's concerns about people meeting uh, in large gatherings if a big moment happens, such as Liverpool claiming their first championship in 30 years. Everton is going to host Liverpool in a potential decider at June the 21st. There was talks that they might want to move that to a different venue just so people in the town of Liverpool don't necessarily congregate together. But... The police and the local enforcement says that they're confident they'll be able to hold it to hold it down. Um, so yeah, so they'll they'll allow it to happen there. The local government wants money from their football return, support wider wider football family. They're gonna show games on f free TV for fans who can't attend now. So uh, there's a lot of losses for the teams in the lower divisions of uh, English football, in the pyramid as they call it. So there's uh, a lot of talk about helping them out. The Prem uh, did decide to give $1 billion in revenue loss. Wait, no, hold on. They are set to take in a loss of $1 billion due to the coronavirus pandemic. That's just on the Prem side at the big top level. So you can imagine when people in like the lower leagues are going through tough. Uh, let's see. There was concern about this talk, though, prior. Because there was, uh, issues with the safety. The Sheffield United manager, Chris Wilder, said he wouldn't force players to return if they didn't feel safe. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for United says they shouldn't play if they're not mentally ready. Danny Rose slammed the restart talk, saying he doesn't give a fuck about morale that lives are at risk and players are used like lab racks in their project restart um, Troy Deeney from Watford had concerns about minority players as they uh, return to training he said he wouldn't return to training because he has a five month old son with breathing issues but he has since uh, returned and uh, is now a full participant with the team another player was uh, Ingolo Conte with Chelsea he got excused from training on uh, last month. So 
on May the 20th over those concerns. Uh, he was They were going to let him set out until he was comfortable, even if that meant sitting out the whole season. And it turns out he ended up returning eight days later on the 28th, so he's been moving forward with uh, Chelsea's training. Uh, one of the guys who did feel comfortable was Jordy Henderson, saying that he feels safe. But at the same time, it does hit close to home because uh, Man City, uh, one of their players, Raheem Sterling, said that he's had family members pass away due to the disease. So, um, Kind of echoing those thoughts, though, about the financial concerns, Tyrone Mings of Aston Villa said that he's, this restart is 100% financially driven and that it treats players as, quote, commodities, which I can understand that perspective, man. I can understand it, man. Get it. Um, let's see. Leicester City's um, Brendan Rodgers, uh, he had a, a battle against the disease, said he could hardly walk, and it reminded him of walking up Mount Kilimanjaro in 2011 in terms of not being able to breathe comfortably. Now, a lot of these EPL players, they've had issues. They've had issues keeping to themselves. <laughs> uh, breaking lockdown protocols. Uh, Wolves, Gibbs, White, he had to face some discipline. Jack Grealish, Moise Keane, Serge Aurier, Musa Sissoko, Alexander Lacassette, David Luiz, Nicolas Pepe, and Granite Shaka have also broken uh, lockdown rules. Um, with the... Uh, Serge Aurier of uh, Tottenham, he apparently broke broke protocol three times. Yeah, he posted a pic of a new haircut and also trained too close with his teammates, uh, Musa Sissoko. And he also was running with a friend, apparently too close. These guys are under microscopes. I get it. I get it. So I get that part. Um, as long as it's not a situation where it's just like, uh, you know, Kyle Walker where he's apparently having sex parties and stuff like that so you know alright other off field off the pitch news Arsenal's uh, Alexander Lacassette got uh, had leaked photos of him apparently using nitrous oxide wasn't the first time that he's done it he's also filmed inhaling balloons in a nightclub in 2018 with Mesut Ozil uh uh Obama Yang and Matteo Guendouzi. Is it Kevin Principal? No. Pierre Emmerich Obama Yang. That's his name. That's his perfect name. So, yeah. Apparently, like I said, loves the balloons. Gotta fill up his balloons. Know what I'm saying? Alright. Uh, Spurs, Deli Ali got. Burgled at night point. That was the title of the headline in England. He got robbed pretty much. That's what that means. He also got banned one match for apparently mocking an Asian man with the mask on on Snapchat. So that kind of happened. I saw that see Jose Mourinho did defend him saying that, hey man, these dudes breaking protocol out here that didn't get suspended. Why the heck is my dude getting suspended? But I understand why. I get it. I get it. Uh, something I have to mention, sad to mention, uh, Chelsea's uh, Hudson Odoi did get arrested following an accusation that he did commit sexual assault and rape. So, 
Oof. Sad, sad situation, sad scenario there. Don't have anything to mention there. Um, good news though, UK government did commit another 120 million euros to Poor Children's Free Meals program uh, during the summertime after Marcus Rashford's campaign, where he wrote a letter and addressed the, the UK government saying, "Hey, you need to get, uh, help support these kids." A lot of times when they're in schools, that's the only times that they're able to get full meals. So it's something that is very important to them. So good for you, Marcus Rashford. Uh, let's see. As I mentioned before, um, Pedro going to go ahead and leave uh, to go to Roma. Not going to finish the year with Chelsea. Man U, they said they are going to extend Igalo's loan deal until January. So they're going to continue to have him on, on the books. Uh, Chelsea, though, they are making some moves. Um, they did decide to pick up Timo Werner. Um, ends up signing with the, with the team after a lot of rumor that he was going to come to Chelsea or to Liverpool. Excuse me. Jurgen Klopp had said that he wanted to bring him on board, but you know, I guess they never had an official offer for him. So looks like you get more playing time at Chelsea, and you'll get a bigger payday. Makes sense. I mean, it'd be tough to come in and just take over for Roberto Firmino just like right off the bat it would you know it would take you a minute to get kind of in that that mix per se so yeah let's see let's see let's see mm, let's see La Liga Chief uh, they're trying to get shit back up and running uh, they actually did they actually did say actually you know what let me give you some some fucking news, man. Because, bro, I was watching some of the matches, uh, EPL and all that stuff, man. It was, it's cute, it's cute. Uh, let's see, where is it? German soccer? No, there's no fucking EPL. Yeah, matches played yesterday. Aston Villa and Sheffield United. They finished. Goalless, nil nil. Man City won three nothing over Arsenal, and David Luiz was responsible for two of those goals. Uh, first one, completely served it up to Raheem Sterling. It was a, a pass going, um, or the ball's coming towards him in the center back position, and he like kicks it up in the air right over to the right winger Sterling, and in stride he just finishes it, and then he gets. Uh, red carded and gets a penalty and De Bruyne finishes that one so that was all she wrote and the only reason Luis came in is because there was an injury to one of their center backs so yeah that's like insult to injury literally literal insult to injury freaking tough man so yeah it's gonna be a little bit longer I think until Liverpool can clinch I don't think they can clinch this weekend then uh, maybe if they still lose one match, I'm not sure. I know they have a they had a six point lead. So. The one good message is that all the EPL players are wearing Black Lives Matter across the backs. They did take a 10 second uh, kneel at the beginning of the match um, in solidarity with the movement. There have been a lot of message in some of the other leagues as well too in support of the Black Lives Matter uh, movement in America. So. I mean, it's really been a, a, a global global uh, phenomenon of people protesting and showing support. So, it's, uh, yeah. 
it's uh, positive steps. I know Raheem Sterling said that he was encouraged with the movement because he's been somebody who's uh, talked about these issues like at length in the past, and he's, uh, you know, somebody's been affected. He's been he's been he's been uh, been the target of racial abuse in the past. So I can only imagine how that's that would affect a person. Yeah, they play more matches tomorrow. Norwich and Southampton, and then Tottenham and Man U. So that'd be the second one should be good. And yeah. Then we get the full full slate. We'll get well. It's just matches every day, pretty much in every league. Crazy. All right, let's move to La Liga, where. Let's see here. They wanted matches daily at practically zero risk to players. They're going to test players 24 hours prior to matches. Uh, let's see. A lot of these teams returned to training back in May. Um, the season resumes. It resumed a week ago. Sevilla taking on Real Betis in the Sevilla Derby. Uh, and then the rest of the campaign... They're aiming to start next campaign in September. September 12th is the date they have now. Uh, now, Spanish Federation is allowing daily La Liga matches during the coronavirus, but after, they will have the options to stop the Monday and Friday matches in the future because there had been concern about them overscheduling stuff, and and uh, they wanted the schedule to be a little bit more fair versus trying to get more dollars over scheduling stuff in other places and stuff like that. Uh, let's see. There were five cases uh, of COVID in the top two divisions of Spain. Ronan Lodi of Athletic. Atletico did confirm that he was one of those players. La Liga did threaten quarantines uh, after Barcelona's Semedo did defy his protocol. Another player is not staying still. Let's see. Messi says he won't leave Barcelona for free this summer. His deal, I think, is coming up. Uh, on that note, they say Barca says they have no money for transfers due to the pandemic. I know Coutinho says he wants a Premier League return. Um, his agent says still willing to return to Bar Bayern if they want him back. Um formerly of Barcelona. I think Barca still has his rights. Bayern might still have his rights. I'm not sure now. He's moving around all over the place. Uh, in Italy, the Coppa Italia semis did get played uh, last few days. Ended up being Napoli and Juventus in the final yesterday. Went goalless in regular time, and Napoli ended up winning in penalties with... Um, yeah, I think their number one keeper was not even playing. Uh, I believe he was suspended, so that's kind of wild. But uh, Gigi Buffon, he, almost, he had a chance to almost get sick. I think six Copa Italia's. Now he's, he's still at five, so he was he was playing in that match. He made some good saves, but you can tell these teams are rusty. They're not quite uh, in form, especially like some of the leagues where it's more compact and defensive, and it's tougher to kind of break through. It's uh, these gonna leave, these are, they're gonna be kind of bogged down. I feel like so that might be the Italians. They might uh, you know, they traditionally play a little more conservative, a little more physical. 
But yeah, they Syria did set the return date. Uh, let's see. They'll start playing. I want to say next week. Um, they could be decided by playoff. Next season starts in September. August twentieth could be the new date to finish the season. Yeah, like I said, they're gonna start back on the twentieth. Um, there was a lot of concern just because Italy is one of the countries that got really affected by this COVID thing about their coming back for uh, and playing. The captain from Brescia, Daniele Castelderio, uh, said the team opposes the return. Says we're afraid. That was like back in March, though. So this has been some time. Or excuse me, uh, May. On May 6, Torino did confirm they had another player with test positive. Fiorentina had three players and three staff tested positive on May the 7th. Uh, Sampdoria also had three players on that same day test positive. AC Milan said, uh, President says that some players were recovering uh, from COVID on 5 8. The next day, AC Milan squad given all clear. Uh, Paulo Diabala from Juventus says he's fully, fully recovered. He's, he has since played in the Copa Italia and all that stuff. Took him a while to get clean, cleared because uh, he was like a couple months in, so was still testing positive. So it's crazy. Um, Barcelona it, are looking to get some reinforcements, even though they are kind of cash-strapped. They're looking to try to get Mirlan Pjanic from Juve, but they could try to get, organize a swap deal that could involve either Artur, Ivan Rakitic, Arturo Vidal, Carlos Alena, or Nelson Semedo. There's only very few players that are kind of untouchable for Barcelona, so they're looking to kind of change the roster around. Um, yeah, possibly looking to pick up some reinforcements from Italy. So um, speaking of that, Dres Mertens of Napoli did sign a new three-year deal. I know Chelsea and Inter were, were interested in him, but he's going to stay stay there in Northern Italy. Um, yeah, man. Uh, speaking of guys uh, making moves, uh, Mauro Icardi, who was owned by Inter, he had, they had his rights. Looks like PSG is going to sign him permanently for 50 million euros. Um, yeah, so... He's been doing good in France and kind of a crazy personality dude. Got crazy history, so yes, he's staying over there. So Juve also, we're talking about Mirlin Pjanic maybe moving to Chelsea for a swap for Jorginho from him. That might not be a bad move for them. I don't think Chelsea is going to eventually move on from Jorginho at this point, but maybe some thought. Uh, let's see. Ronaldo's 150, $105 million uh, this year tops Messi and crowns him soccer's first billion-dollar man, according to Forbes. Woo, man. Talked about MJ being the first athlete to get a billy. I know Tiger Woods has gotten a billy. There's been a few others, but first ever soccer player, Ronaldo. Congrats to you, man. Making that money. Uh, let's see. Uh, more news in Italy uh, in relation to AC Milan. Um, there was talks that Ibrahimovic might have had a serious calf injury. Um, it's just a minor one and not his Achilles. That's what the thought. It might have been something serious. Uh, but San Siro looks like it's moving closer to demolition. Deemed to have 
quote, no cultural interest. Uh, AC and Inter are looking to build new $1.2 billion stadium right next to it, next door. So uh, we'll see if that gets up and moving. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yeah, there was an American company. All right, where were we? Uh, so, yeah, had a little bit of a break. Actually did another podcast that will come out sometime shortly later with the homie Tony Grams. Uh, funny dude. Um, yeah. It is now the next day, and we're going to continue the, the show because we got to finish this shit. It's now the 19th of June, a.k.a. Juneteenth, so happy Juneteenth to everybody. Uh, go do your research on why that is a very important date in American history. Uh, not just black history, American history. Um, should be something we celebrate a little bit more. Then it should. Or then it gets deserved. Um, so, with that, let's continue on our conversation. We're, we were breaking down the return of a lot of these uh, European soccer leagues or how they've been dealing with the coronavirus response and what have you. I think we were talking about Serie A, finishing up with them. I know that there was an American company that I was offering a $3 billion, $3 billion euro uh, stake in Serie A, but they would uh, then own a big percentage of like the rights and everything like that coming in in the future. So uh, there's people looking to kind of take advantage of some of the opportunities that have kind of um, hurt some of these downfallen leagues, teams, uh, what have you. Uh, we'll move on to the French League, uh, Ligue 1. Uh, there was actually a leaked letter that revealed the French season could have been completed in August because the, the, the league decided to shut down after France said that there was not going to be any um, professional sports in the country, I want to say until October. So at that point, they figured they couldn't get the season in uh, underway. But yeah, there was, uh, uh, I think someone in the French health ministry who was saying that the kind of the decision was made maybe a little... Uh, little early uh, it could have been a possibility to save the French League and because there were some teams that were very very upset over that decision and felt that you know not having enough games to kind of round out the season was not necessarily fair one of those teams is Lyon They're, they actually have an appeal um, about the canceled season that has gone to the the high court in France so um, they're taking legal action. I want to say they finished just outside the Champions League in uh, standings there for qualification. And they were one of those teams that definitely was still in the hunt. I know PSG, can't remember who was second there in the French League, but uh, let me do a little searching. So, yeah, it looks like... Uh, Looks like there actually was a decision made in that course case in that uh, it was Lyon, Amiens, and Toulouse. Uh, they all appealed, and they're all rejected by a French judge, apparently a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, there was 10 matches left in the season. Lyon failed to qualify for, I think, Europa as well. Um, and 
the other two clubs were relegated, so they were at the bottom of the the standings there. So then be the breaks, man. I mean, it's uh, it's tough to say, but um, you can understand why the French government made that proclamation and why the French Football Association decided to follow through with that. Um, yeah, there's still news coming out of the French league low. Uh, <laughs> some crazy news. Oh my god. So there's one player from uh, Angers, uh, his midfielder Farid El Malali, ended up having to apologize after being arrested for public masturbation, bro. He was apparently in the courtyard of his like uh, um, complex uh, when he was looking down at a woman who lived on the ground floor. Um, and apparently this wasn't the first time this guy did this. This was like in May. Uh, there was a report that he had done something similar in April also. So I mean like, Jesus. Put it in your pants, bro. Like, come on, man. Uh, that's not cool, man. Not cool. I can't imagine how that lady felt. Like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of managers are disgusting. Like, Jesus Christ, dude. Come on, Farid. What the fuck? What the fuck? Alright, that's all I got for the French League, man. Uh, there ain't playing games, so there's not as many headlines over there. Um, did see Neymar, I think, uh, had to pay Barcelona back in the lawsuit that he had over bonuses, some shit like that. I don't remember. I'll, we'll read into it. Anyway, let's go to Germany, the Bundesliga. They've been playing for a few weeks now. They're the first league to actually get back up and running uh, in mid-May. So, yeah, almost a month. I think this is like their fourth week up and, up and running completely. So, um, it hasn't been without some, some uh, starts and stops. There were a few members of clubs who breached protocol, ended up having to like miss matches and self-quarantine. Uh, one of those being the head coach, or the manager, I should say, of uh, Augsburg. Uh, yeah, he missed the first match back, the restart, after he broke quarantine to go buy toothpaste. So... They were really, really on top of things and stuff like that, so crazy. Also, Jaden Sancho, uh, he got fined for breaching lockdown rules uh, to get a haircut. Apparently, he posted pictures and he was not wearing a mask while the cut was going on because I think that's a prerequisite uh, nowadays. So, so yeah. Um, Jaden Sancho also still in the news for... Um, Forcing support for Black Lives Matter during a recent match as well, too. So, shout out to Jaden, uh, one of the uh, few British, uh, you know, footballers playing in Germany. Actually doing pretty well there for Dortmund. He's going to probably have a big transfer back to, to England at some point soon. Uh, maybe this summer. We'll see. Or this fall. The transfer market is the transfer window got pushed back, so this fall, I guess. All right, let's move over to the MLS. There's some news there because, um, yeah, their season basically was put on pause after the opening week of the year, pretty much. I know the MLS season doesn't run uh, the same at the same time of the year. It's not on the same calendar schedule as uh, most of the other leagues around the world. They run during the summer months, and most of the other leagues run during the fall, winter, into the springtime. So... Yeah, they had just barely gotten going, and um, they're looking to actually come back and have like a tournament style setting in 
Orlando with uh, all the clubs um, kind of placed in group stages. So, uh, But MLS, though, they are proposing a 20% pay cut for the players, and their players association ended up uh, proposing $100 million in payroll relief for the league. Um, so that's – I think that got ironed out. I got to double-check, but – um, not quite as tumultuous as the negotiations have been for the NBA or, I mean, not a, at all as similar to MLB. They're the ones that are just got the most most trouble going on right now. But in any event, like I was saying, they drew, they drew up the groups and they got the knockout round set up. Uh, it's going to be five-game round robin, uh, and then it'll be the knockout stages right after that. So... They broke it down, I think, geographically pretty well. They had a lot of the rivals paired up with each other. The uh, El Trafico is still going to happen. You know, like the, the New York uh, rivalry is still going to happen. Those kind of stuff. So that's cool. But, uh, yeah, Nashville, they moved from the west to the east to even out the playing uh, the groups. There's like one group of six, and the other one's something like that, something like that. Everybody else, I think, has four teams. I don't know. I don't know how many of them are. But anyway, they approved everything. It's going to start July 8th. They're going to have 55, 54 games total. So they are finalizing the new CBA to make way for the tournament. Um... And they've been given the light to start training as of a couple weeks back. But, uh, you know, with this tournament going on, the MLS did have to make some changes to some other planned events. And one of those were, like, the All-Star Game and the competitions that uh, go on between Liga Amekis and uh, MLS. I think they're implementing a couple of them. One of them was, it's like uh, a tournament between cup winner and the whoever won the MLS season or no I might be tripping the President's Cup I think and then you got the Clausura and Apertura winners I believe I don't even remember I don't remember anyway they, they canceled all that this year um, let's see Philadelphia Union uh, they had a player Bilko. He says he was the first player to get COVID in the MLS. This was like last month. Pretty sure there's a lot more since then. Uh, off the pitch, we got some transfer news. See, DC United looks like they wanted to sign Gonzalo Higuain from Juventus now. He's, uh, his brother plays for United, so he'll be able to get the Higuain brothers back together. Be interesting to see. Interesting to see. And, uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, MLS players and um, American soccer players have definitely been involved with the discussion on race in this um, past few weeks. Uh, Real Salt Lake's Neto Onuahu, Onuaha, Onuoha. Excuse me, the pronunciation. He had a quote saying that I have a fear and distrust towards the police and he was expressing his thoughts about the, the protests and what have you there. So, um, There was a player by the LA Galaxy 
uh, Katai. He had his wife posted some racially insensitive media posts about the protesters and the rioters saying that they should basically be run over and how dare they and their animals and, and what have you. It was just something to that effect. And Well, the Galaxy ended up releasing her husband after the fact. Like, it's not worth it for us to keep him around. It's too big of a headache. And I think they're not even from America either, too. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so Alexander Katai, uh, his wife uh, Taya, I believe. Uh, he's Serbian, so wonder where she's from. But anyway, yeah, they had some uh, not so nice things to say about that uh, whole situation. Not very good. It was some stuff in Serbia. Yeah, disgusting cattle is what they call them. Eek, not very good. Following uh, the death of George Floyd. So, yeah, uh, Galaxy made a quick decision as to get him out of there. So, I understand that. Let's see. Let's see, US, uh, I saw U.S. soccer could repeal the ban on kneeling during the national anthem. That ban actually got put into place after Megan Rapino did it a few years back following the protests of uh, Colin Kaepernick was uh, participating in uh, during the national anthem. So uh, they banned it so she couldn't do it anymore, and now they're relaxing their stance, which I think a lot of leagues are doing. Even the NBA, they have a strict uh, policy guideline regarding the anthem uh, that the players have uh, signed off on previously during the CBA. And I think even they're going to be pretty lenient with it. Even Mark Cuban said like he's going to he'd be proud to, to kneel with his team if they decide to do so uh, when play restarts over in Orlando. So, um, yeah, so I don't think that would be an issue if any – U.S. soccer players, men or women, decide to do so in any international competitions uh, moving forward. There have been some U.S. internationals who are playing overseas. One of them, Weston McKinney for Schalke. He's uh, won an armband, justice for George Floyd, um, and which I think we talked about pre previously. So, Something to look out for there. Um, let's see here. Um, National Women's Soccer League looks like they're going to be back and playing. Um, I believe they actually already started. Oh, it looks like they're coming back in July. So, let's see. Return. Yeah, it looks like they will be the first U.S. Pro Contact Sports League to return since I guess there's still boxing and MMA going on. But, um,. Yeah, so July, July 10th, I believe, is their, their first date. So hopefully everything's good, everyone's safe and healthy. That's be a big, uh, big, big thing for the team, um, or for every everybody playing, not just any individual team. That's everyone. That's for everybody. So, all right. So we were talking about Liga MX before. Uh, let's. Let's go right over to them. Uh, they ended up canceling the remainder of their clausura season after Santos Laguna had 12 players test 
positive on their team. That is a high ass number. And uh, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned in terms of Mexico's response to the coronavirus. Um, Cause the number of deaths that have uh, increased by a very high number from this year compared to last year, like that, that's a big indicator. Cause there's a lot of people who don't uh, like uh, report COVID testing or or they're not doing the tests when people pass away necessarily. So when people got like respiratory issues and then they end up passing, they just like kind of put pneumonia or something else as a cause of death. So it's, I feel like it's being downplayed just from what I'm hearing. Um, yeah, not the greatest situation over there. So yeah, 12 players on Santos Luna. That was like the, the tipping point on them canceling the season. So for people who don't know, they have an apertura and a clausura. It's like an opening and closing season. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's, they basically kind of split it up in two, so you have like two champions every year. One in the opening season, one in the closing season. So that they play cup competitions amongst those teams uh, that qualify. But uh, yeah, so they decided to go ahead and just cancel it there. But the Apertura is going to come back on July the 24th. It's going to have a different altered playoff format. And yeah. It's uh, it'll be, it'll be a little different there. It says like it'll have them some new look clubs. I know. Sad to say, but uh, Las Monarcas and Morelia decided to go ahead and move to Cancun. So one less team in the state of Michoacan. That sucks because a few years ago they won they won the league. It's been a while though. Yeah, that was one of the teams I kind of wanted to root for and stuff. So I guess the closest team to my, my dad's uh, hometown would be Atlas now. So I guess I should root for them. I know they had a freaking. Um, they had a Rafa Marquez back. That was his home boy, uh, hometown club, boyhood club, I guess. Probably be the most famous guy from there. I don't know. I don't know, man. That kind of sucks. Well, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, also, I guess, uh, going down in the world of soccer. Uh, so, there's been some other leagues that have come back. I know Korea, they've done a pretty good at responding. They have the Korean baseball organization that's been playing. But also, the Korean soccer league is back, too. And the club FC Seoul ended up having to apologize because they've been trying to figure out, you know, ways to make it not seem so empty in the stadium. So some people have put, like, teddy bears or, like, you know, things of that nature and other stuffed animals or dolls. And Well, they wanted to do some human dolls, and I think they messed up because they ended up filling the stands with a whole bunch of sex dolls. <laughs> so, like, like, man, chicks with their mouths wide open, their hands right there, and <laughs> just got the... Uh, put clothes over a couple of the, the openings um, below the belt. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they ended up having to apologize. This was done on like May the 17th. It's been a while. This is like the first week that they opened up. It's like first match that they had. Like, Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. Uh, 
New Koreans were, could get freaky, but I don't know about that, man. That's a little, it's a little much there. Don't you think? So yeah, FC Seoul, man. Whoever is running there as marketing department or some stuff like that might have some sexual proclusions that uh, might need to be discussed <laughs> and, and psychoanalyzed a little bit. Um, yeah, that's just wild. That's just wild. Um, speaking of wild stories, I have no segue to this one, but uh, there was a report that, of a Turkish soccer player, uh, Shevar Toshkas, Tokshash, uh, ended up having to confess to the killing of his five-year-old son, Kasim. Uh, I think he blamed it on the coronavirus. Uh, I think he suffocated him with a pillow over his face, like, so ridiculous. Um, some people are insane and crazy, and it's sad when you see that violence taken out on somebody who's unable to defend themselves and that is that is a very tragic story that uh i mean whew, goodness five-year-old kid that's it's a sad one mm. can't imagine how shocking that was for the people who actually knew the family or knew the kid like jeez jeez so he's uh definitely going to be in prison for a long time if not the rest of his life for especially confessing to it too I mean shit mm. alright uh, last soccer story I had uh, apparently Megan Rapino was saying that she didn't shut the door on a presidential run for 2020 this year I mean I don't know how crazy that would fucking be freaking women's world cup soccer star becoming first female president of all time i don't know how likely that's gonna happen i think we will see some crazy third party candidates that come out but i don't know if she's gonna be one so best of luck to her if she runs it's uh kind of a shit show right now kind of a shit show i mean why not why the fuck not all right let's talk about other sports that have been going on around the world. Uh, Gary Bettman says that the NHL is going to be conducting daily COVID tests for players and personnel because uh, they're looking to come back. They're looking to have a, a couple hub cities to host the rest of the season. They're looking to play a, a full tournament to kind of close things out. Uh, there was a doctor that was suggesting full face shields and no fighting if hockey resumes, which I uh, don't know if that's going to hold up. Yeah, I'd bet on them throwing fisticuffs. So, yeah. Um, NHL, yeah, they got a 2014 playoff format. Um, that'll pretty much do the rest of the season. They're not going to play any more games like kind of the NBA is doing it. And they're tweaking it a bit. Hockey, I feel like it doesn't matter which format you use. The playoff version of, of hockey is just going gonna to be a pretty good product, I think. They have that kind of luxury. Well, I mean, we'll see how it is when the, the players get back on the ice and see how like in shape they are, moving around, get used back to the contact and all that stuff. But yeah, there's a, there's a question in terms of where they're gonna play. I believe still. <clears throat> all right. So after doing some reading, it looks like there's ten locations that are still up for d uh, debate over the hub cities. Uh, three of them being in Canada, so it looks like there's some 
progress being made in regards to that whole uh, concern about having the players go back and forth. So, so yeah, I guess they'll uh, they'll bid it out. Um, I think Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton are three of the locations being discussed. If I do believe. Yeah, Alberta, British Columbia, Ontario, and Toronto. So yeah, uh, not quite sure what's gonna happen or if it's gonna be everybody in the U.S. Seems like logistically that might be easier, but having a all postseason tournament in Canada wouldn't be too bad either. Too, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, Lord knows the people of Toronto obviously too much playoff hockey over there because them. Maple Leafs have been uh, starving for some success. Let's just put it that way. All right. Not uh, the best team of uh, the last few generations, to be honest. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some other other sports here. We got uh, Bubba Wallace, uh, NASCAR driver, only black uh, NASCAR driver currently, ended up wearing an "I Can't Breathe" shirt ahead of his race in Atlanta. On June the sixth, or on June the seventh, so uh, a little over a week ago, very strong moment. Uh, he did pass out on air during a post-race interview afterwards, and I think he was dehydrated or what have you. I think it was a pretty emotional, emotional day there for for Bubba. Uh, he plays pretty well in the race as well too, so. Yeah, uh, Lord knows he's probably going through a lot. It's kind of looking at the struggles that a lot of black drivers have had in, you know, trying to come up in NASCAR or just in auto racing in general. Um, one of the things that he was talking about, though, was just the use of Confederate flags in a lot of NASCAR venues and events. Well... The organization did step up and did decide to ban any display of, of that flag at any other properties or any other events, too. So that's a positive step there, for sure. So good step in the right direction for NASCAR. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about auto racing as a whole. Lewis Hamilton... The man at the top of Formula One came out saying that uh, government should be removing racist statues. Um, so that's been another movement that's been ongoing is to move it to get all these like uh, Confederate statues or monuments to people who were slave traders or promotion promoters of uh, having slaves or what have you. There's still a lot of buildings and streets and places dedicated to these people so I mean we could make the easy changes if we so choose so I think that's a good thing to promote there for uh, for Lewis I mean, you don't want to be reminded of uh, somebody who enslaved potentially your you know Great great grandpa, great great grandfather, grandmother. That's just that's horrible. Horrible to even have to have that thought. 
So I feel for the black people in the South that do not feel comfortable at all with there's a lot of uh, still monuments made to racism, prejudiced people, man. It's, to have to like walk past that or drive past that like regularly, like on your way to school or work, is just gotta be pretty damn demeaning, man. I see people do that intentionally just to feel make people feel less than. And it's, that's sad, man. It's disappointing. People have to feel that way. Freaking ridiculous, man. So, shout out to Lewis Hamilton. All right, let's move on to some more sports. Um, looks like uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is going to allow for the U.S. Open to go ahead uh, without any fans in attendance. So, uh, uh, I think that's kind of cool. Give, uh, you know, the tennis world uh, one of their majors because I think two of them, I know the U.S. Open has been, or excuse me, the British Open, no, Master, wait, what the fuck? Uh, I, I, I get my tennis and I get my golf majors all mixed up. I don't think the French is happening. It's got to be on clay. I think the Australian already happened, if I'm not mistaken, and the yeah the British is gonna be also not happening because they need the grass. I don't know. The French might happen. I'm not sure about that one, but yeah, this one's supposed to be the third major of the year. I think it's gonna be like the first or the second one. So it's not gonna be to like. October, I think. We still got some time. All right, uh, let's see some other sports news. Oh, we got the more some more docs as I mentioned before. There's a Lance Armstrong one that was pretty good. Lance two parter, man. As much as uh, uh, there are certain moments where you're just like, man, this guy's a tool. It's still pretty fascinating to watch and see. See it from a couple of people's different perspectives and everything that he did to cover himself up and how deeper he, you know, went to, like, feeding the lies and stuff. And It is true, man, that, like, he more than likely was not a, uh, a good person overall, but there were some good things that did result as uh, come as a result of him surviving testicular cancer and then winning those, those races as uh, contested or maybe um, you know non-legit as they should be or considered or what have you the EPO and everything that he was doing was definitely the norm at the time is that you know make up for the bad decisions that were made that's uh, another debate I would say maybe not but you know I understand I understand the reasoning why he would do so the, now everything that he did afterwards is just like come on bro there's a lot of moments where he didn't step up and treat the people who looked out for him as uh, maybe he should have so I think he's acknowledged a lot of those faults and you see a lot of that documentary but there is a certain parts of it where he's just kind of like you know what what happened happened and like some some of it he doesn't seem as remorseful so I think the 
director did a good job, of, or the person interviewing did a good job of kind of poking and prodding them, him and the other writers and the other people involved in the sport to kind of get to the bottom of it. So, um, yeah, another one by ESPN. And then also the Bruce Lee documentary, The Be Water. That one I thought was pretty fresh. That was kind of cool. Seeing the back history of Bruce Lee and uh, how he's uh, born in San Francisco, grew up in Hong Kong, came back to America, and was practicing Wei Chong and like the way he was in Seattle or the way he was an actor as a kid and moved to Seattle to practice at martial arts and start his own school and have some people train under him. And it was cool to see that how he was one of the first people who just didn't care and didn't discriminate on who he would share his knowledge and teachings with because there was a, like a good amount of his students who were like white or black and uh, he didn't really care because there was a, a notion that you know the, Ch the Chinese only teach the Chinese and he was kind of one of the first people to kind of break that and yeah and then he moved to LA Kind of pursued the acting thing over here. Was on the Green Hornet, but then didn't really get enough, like, didn't get the roles that he was looking for. Moved to Hong Kong, started his movie career over there, blew up, came back to America, and then by the time his first movie, I think it was Game of Death that came out over here, um, he ended up passing away. So it was pretty tragic and crazy how how that happened he apparently took some medicine analgesic analgesic I don't know analgesic because uh, of a headache and just never woke up so there's a lot of they didn't really go too deep into the death there it was just kind of because there's some conspiracy theories in terms of people maybe who wanted him dead so um, documentary didn't, didn't go too deep into that but it, but it was cool he, they ended up moving his body and burying him in Seattle so his it's, it's legacy is crazy it spans over ocean pretty much and across the world man just dude was so influential to I mean the movie business action being an action star and being uh, you know one of the people who gets a lot of credit for kind of fusing and Developing martial art techniques that weren't strictly in the box of uh, of a certain tradition, kind of you know morphing them together. There's a lot of MMA athletes that give him a lot of credit for that. Moving Wei Chong or karate from uh, to boxing and some wrestling, jujitsu stuff. So like, it's ahead of his time in a lot of regards that because he would study study a lot of different uh, disciplines. Yeah, man, the doc was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That one was uh, a one-parter. These are just so freaking dense, man. They produce so much material. So much. I think it really covered there. But yeah, be water. Be water, my friend. All right, let's get into some MMA. We talked about that earlier. And then, yeah, let's just close this shit out. I don't Do I have time? Do I have time for the other headlines? Uh, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's get through this. A lot of news and notes in the world of mixed martial arts. 
There's been a lot of fights been going on, man. Uh, UFC 249 in Jacksonville. That ended up happening. There were all the fighters and the coaches got tested for COVID ahead of the fights. They ended up finding out that Jacare Souza uh, was tested positive along with two of his cornermen. Um, so they were eventually removed and this fight got canceled. They were removed from quarantine. He's now healthy as of uh, two days ago on the 17th. So that's good news, but he did have to miss that uh, that fight there. So there was reports that the fighters could lose their pressure criticizing the protocols that were done. So there wasn't too much talk from the fighters afterwards. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. But uh, in regards to the fights themselves, there was a good amount of action there, man. Uh, a couple of the big names, co-headliners. Henry Cejudo ended up getting the... Um, TKO over Dominic Cruz in the second round right before the buzzer. Another great performance there. Did a great job of you know anticipating the timing and the movements of Cruz who was not at his you know typical in prime condition that we've seen him before. Um, yeah, we'll see where where he goes from here because he's, he's such an inact, infrequent fighter where you can't tell if he's slipping or if it's just one bad performance per se so we'll see we'll see what happens with Cruz moving forward but yeah Henry ended up shocking a few people who I decided to call it quits afterwards uh, he defended the belts at 125-135 and or got belts at those those the divisions defended the 135-er and yeah put his belts up and he's now retired so congratulations to Henry if he does decide to remain retired I know he went on the Joe Rogan experience I got a chance to, to catch him there and he was um, talking about how he may come out for a certain matchup he was saying he wanted to fight Alexander Volkanovsky or he even, I think he said he even wanted to fight Terrence Crawford in boxing, which I think would be out there. That was how that would go. Um, oh, boy. I'm watching a couple of these matches that have been going on right now. I'm seeing Tottenham and Manchester United, and it looks like uh, Man U's just going to get a second penalty. It's tied 1-1, and they got one earlier from Paul Pogba getting knocked over this one's in the 89th minute Jose Mourinho's going nuts oh boy what's gonna happen here let's see what happened Rashford running into the box he passes it leaves it on the ground oh no that should not be a penalty I need to review this one it's like Eric Dyer didn't even make contact with his foot Bruno Fernandez just ran right into uh, to Dyer, and then falls falls over. He made no contact, going for the ball. I think that's a clean play. Who am I to to, to call this? I would call it play on. I would call it probably a uh, probably the end of the match there because it's already in the 90th. Anyway, back to this. So 
So Udo said he'd fight Volkanovski. I think that'd be pretty interesting. So if Alexander wins against Max Holloway, then that's uh, that'll be an interesting matchup, man. That'll be an interesting one. Oh yeah, so yeah, no penalty. That's good. <laughs> Jose cursing in people out. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh, he's still mad. His team, his team, they reverse the call. He's still fucking pissed off. Oh, Jose, never change. Never change, man. <laughs> oh, shit. This is a good one. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to mention, man. Francis Ngannou, man, got a quick knockout over Jair Rosenstreich, man. That was nasty. But, uh, let's see, Kelvin Cater beat uh, Jeremy Stevens. That was a very back-and-forth fight. Um, anything else to mention here? Oh, Pettis beat Cerrone. Uh, Verdum got submitted by... Uh, a split decision, excuse me. Uh, Alexio Linick. Carlos Barza got back in the win column. Yeah, that's most of it. The big headline, though, that came out of there was freaking Gaethje Ferguson. Oh, my God. Justin Gaethje. What a freaking machine that dude is. Just a freaking... Oh, my God. Block of granite. That dude is... Oh, my God. He's coming at you. He's like a freaking robo, a robot, man. He's like a Terminator out there. And hats off to Ferguson. He took a massive beating. It was still coming... Uh, doing his thing. It was not his night by any stretch of the imagination. It was frustrating one for him, for sure. I don't know if it was just his night or if the whole lead-up and the, the circumstances to it might have affected Tony, especially considering how he cut weight twice. Once for the actual uh, weigh-ins and once for like the originally scheduled date. That was completely unnecessary in my opinion, and I think he could have avoided, um, you know, doing and put his body through that, especially at the age that he's at now. But he's kind of the dude who's just gonna do say, "Screw it, I'm gonna do it my way." It might be untraditional, but uh, I'm still gonna be on it. Man, shout out to Gaethje. So he's got the interim belt at the moment. He's going to be fighting Khabib probably later. And wow, yeah. Shook up the division for sure. So, I mean, I was rooting for, for Tony. But if Gaethje won, I wasn't going to hate, man. Because Gaethje's one of those dudes that just... If you're a fan of the fight game, like you got to be a fan of his and the way he comes out. Like He's a um, very decorated wrestler. And he doesn't use that at all. All like he just throws hammers, man. Just throwing fists, elbows, and kicks at you, man. His his kicks were pretty devastating too. You could tell Tony's legs were getting beat up, and he couldn't he couldn't maintain his distance. Man, he just kept catching him. You know, once you get your opponent's uh, movement compromised, and it's, they become kind of a sitting target, and that's kind of what Gaethje did, man. That dude, oof. Also, his mom's Mexican, and he's a Raider fan, so shout out. He's still rapping. Hell yeah. Um, mm. 
Mm-mm-mm. Pretty crazy. So he, I think he's got a very interesting matchup with Khabib moving forward because there's not as many guys that you see have that wrestling defense as well as, as Gaethje does. Like he wants to get you uh, in the close encounter so he could, ooh, ooh man, man, you almost had a chance to score here. He wants to get in striking distance, and he wants uh, the feet to be, or the the fight to be up on your feet. He's that kind of fighter, so mm. it'll be interesting to see. I know we know where Khabib wants you. He wants to be leaning on you, on top of you, just grinding and pounding, beating the crap of you, out of you. So yeah, man, should be an interesting one. We'll see. We shall see. And that sucks that Tony's uh, winning streak ends up coming to an end. And it sucks that he never got that chance to fight Khabib. Maybe there's be, there will be that opportunity in the future. Put it, that damn fight together for a seventh time, but who knows. Maybe it's just a fight that will never happen. It's just maybe cursed. I can't believe that, that shit happened. it got canceled because Khabib went to Abu Dhabi. Which is where Fight Island is actually at now. About like three months before they announced it was going to be there. So. Mm. Fucking sucks that that never happened, but. That's life, man. That's fucking life. Um, but yeah, moving forward. Jacksonville, they hosted a couple fights out there. They had UFC, a couple fight nights. Uh, they had Glover Teixeira versus. Um, his name Anthony Smith Linehart man Glover looked freaking impressive it was uh, so there's no nobody in the crowd right and it's taking some adjusting and getting used to by like the cornermen and the trainers and one of the things that kind of happened is that um, at least for Smith his corner was giving him instructions in like the first two rounds that he was following to a T, but they're probably shouting a little too much there because you know typically when you have somebody who's um, you know fighting in the octagon, you got the crowd noise, so you got to fight over that. They might only get twenty percent of what you, you know you're saying, whereas there's nobody in there, you can hear everything. So you know he's like throwing combinations and you know checking stuff and moving and kind of wore himself out kind of gassed out early didn't have the the tank left and Glover really took advantage and was just pummeling him at the end and he was just dead dead tired man yeah he, he got a broken nose broken orbital bone lost some teeth in the fight too like man like Glover looked impressive too he looked like he was in the best shape I've seen him in his career so he was kind of a punching bag for a second there in the light heavyweight division, but he's starting to come on recently. Looks like he's, uh, I don't know, whatever changes or whatever he's doing now seems to be working. So, Glover trying to get back in the mix? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And they had the uh, Overeem Walt Harris fight night matchup as well. So. 
Yeah, so that that uh that main event that ended up being Overeem taking that one uh, over Harris, uh, TKO in the second round off some ground and pound, and that was a very difficult situation there for Walt Harris. That was the first match matchup that he's been a part of after his stepdaughter ended up uh, tragically being murdered. Uh, she was went missing and eventually. They, uh, you know, covered her body, but so sad. Such a sad situation there. So he was definitely fighting with a heavy heart. That's a situation you wish on nobody. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, wasn't able to get the, the decision of the victory there. I'm trying to think what else happened. Um, Claudia Gadelia got a, uh, split decision victory there but um yeah we'll go through my notes we'll do it the notes way so yeah so talk about fight island i know dana white was saying he thinks the khabib gaethje fight is gonna happen over there nothing's been announced as of yet uh, gaethje definitely wants khabib next there's talk about maybe mcgregor but he says that mcgregor's losing his clout amongst fighters which i think is true he's uh kind of been all over the place trying to put his name out there you know throwing his name around to pretty much any matchup he seems to be one of the fighters that's kind of left out of the picture in a lot of these matchup scenarios that have been happening and what's been announced so um, but yeah let's see here there was a talk that Usman would ask for McGregor if Masvidal ended up moving on because Usman is the champ at 170 after beating Colby and yeah, McGregor was calling him out, so he's like, "Yeah, why not?" But Dana White says he doesn't want a, that matchup. He says his next title defense won't be against him, up against uh, Connor. Now Masvidal, he was the guy that a lot of people were saying was going to be slotted in there to the hundred, uh, to that one seventy slot for his, uh, you know, bringing that matchup. He won the BMF belt last year and is trying to win like the, the actual belt this year. So he's kind of like the people's champ at the moment and Usman's like the, the champ, actual champ at that division. So they're thinking about putting a matchup together. Uh, Masvidal says it'll happen. Says it's a fight that he wants. He was saying that Usman was asking for too much money on, on his end. Initially. Initially. Um, but yeah, so talks amongst those fighters was a bit, was uh, was coming up, but then even talks about McGregor and Masvidal fighting each other. Said that could be a possibility for Fight Island. And uh, but I mean on on uh, Street Jesus is in the things. It looks like he's you know working the negotiation end too because he was saying that he's looking to get paid. He says uh, there was long negotiations. He says if I'm not worth it. You know what I want to get paid, then just go ahead and let me go. Not sure how serious that threat was. He did say it on ESPN, and he was kind of posturing over trying to get that money to fight Usman. He says it wasn't his fault if Usman is uh, isn't as big of a, a draw as uh, you know Nate was. So he was that was his uh, excuse, and that was kind of his uh, explanation there. 
Yeah, who knows what the heck's going to happen, man. Like I was saying, McGregor's calling everybody out. He said that... He's calling out Nate, man. He's calling him out on Instagram, telling him to sign the contract. Nate was calling him out. And he ain't the GOAT. McGregor was saying he was one of the GOATs of all time. Nate was like, nah, bitch. I'll tap your ass out. I'm better than you. What the fuck? So, uh... Yeah, I think at a certain point they're going to have a third fight. Who knows when that'll happen. There might be when they're both past their primes. But love to see it. But yeah, I mean, Connor's even saying he's open to boxing people again. I know De La Hoya says, had said something about him on on Twitter. And McGregor says, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take you on. And then now De La Hoya kind of like went back on his words saying like, man, I never really challenged you. It's like, man... Oscar just says some shit. I don't know. <laughs> Oscar's just like on his own his own world. Does what he wants. So that's uh, currently going on. I mean, McGregor's calling everybody, like I said. Uh, Gaethje. Telling him on Twitter, try and dance around what the real threat is here. All you want. I'm going to fucking butcher you. Your teeth. I'm going to put them on a fucking necklace. You are fucking dead. That's what he said. That's a lot of talk, bro. That's a lot of talk. So Gaethje's not really paying him too much uh, um, attention. I think he understands that that's like one of the big paydays that could happen there, but he wants to wants to hold down his belt, man. Connor, he's trying to fight anybody, man. And Anderson Silva called him out. Says he accepts a fight with him. Um, the Spider says he's gonna fight only a couple more times and then call it quits in, in the UFC. He says at least two more times. So he's looking for a fight. I know Anthony Pettis has also said that he fight uh, Anderson more recently. I think that might be a more likely scenario than seeing Connor get into with him. They'd have to fight it at catchweight because unless Connor wants to bump up to 185, it'd be really big for him. So yeah, or 170. I think Anderson also fights at 170. I think that's what he fought. Uh, uh, what's his name? Izzy Adesanya. I guess what he fought him at. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken. I don't know. But yeah, McGregor. Um, Dana is saying that he should fight the Khabib Gaethje winner. Just depends on who wins. Because if Khabib wins, chances of that happen are less than if if Gaethje wins. Because if Gaethje wins, then it's like, all right bring on the next uh, big payday next guy up but Dana was saying that Connor ended up turning down the short notice fight that uh, Justin ended up taking Justin took the opportunity that Khabib opened up by kind of get quarantined out there and Connor apparently was given that same offer so even though the fight didn't happen on that short notice and they rescheduled it Gaethje was still the next guy up. He was still going to be scheduled for that fight. So Dana was saying that Connor could have been in his position by now if uh, if he would have decided to fight Tony. But yeah, Justin saying that he knocked out McGregor anyway. He says three rounds and then it's all hell. So I think that would probably happen. I think he's got a better gas uh, tank. Hold on to that power longer into the fight than Connor can. Who knows? Who knows, man? Who the fuck knows? But yeah. Connor just wants to be in everybody's mouth, man. 
Amanda Nunes had a, her own fight and ended up uh, becoming one of the greatest female athletes of all time. Greatest female fighter of all time. One of the greatest fighters of any gender. Cemented that. And then on that same night, this fool decides to call it retirement just because he wants to... Uh, he wants to be in the media cycle, man. Just wants to be talked about, man. He's needy. He needs that attention. So, yeah, he ended up calling it quits, and people were talking shit on him. I know Mayweather was saying that uh, uh, he was clowning on him for retiring. It's like, hey, man, I thought you were—I thought you were a fighter. I thought you wanted to fight. I thought you were at the top of your game. Says you'll be waiting to punish him again if they ever do decide to fight in boxing. So. I don't know how that's going to happen. Anyway, one of his former opponents, Khabib, he's had a quite a interesting quarantine period. Um, yeah, pretty up and down, man. I know he got that uh, fight that was originally scheduled with Tony. He ended up following, following through after he was traveling internationally. Did say he wants to, he's open to fight later this uh he said in july i don't know how feasible that's gonna be it might be closer to august but uh says he's gonna smash all of them on his return um i would say he's um probably got bigger thing bigger issues to deal with at the moment than you know the fight game because there was a report that his father, Abdulmanap uh, Nurmagomedov, that he was reportedly put in a coma. He was hospitalized in Dagestan in late April uh, with pneumonia. But uh, eventually, he was flown to Moscow and was placed in a critical condition there. And his illnesses were apparently related to a coronavirus. So, I know he was definitely concerned for his father's life at that point. He ended up waking up from the coma in the middle of May on the 14th. And he was in serious but stable condition after heart surgery. There was a report on June the 9th that he was progressing in a Moscow hospital. And things are looking up for him, so... I know he's one of the big, big influences in Khabib's life. Uh, obviously, he's one of the guys that's helped instill that love for mixed martial arts and competition in him. And probably one of those dudes that put the bear in front of him, too, man, when he was a kid. So, yeah, we, we wish the Nurmagomedov family nothing but the, the best of health. And speedy recovery, all that stuff. We would like to see your son continue to, to fight, and we know all the rest of the things in his world have to be in a good position for that to happen. So, you know, for betterment of all, and, um, you know, for everyone's health, I hope that, uh, and for, to be selfish to say for our entertainment as well, too, very much lower on the list. So let's make sure all the other things that are higher on the list get taken care of, and then we can kind of focus, you know, put our attention to that kind of stuff. Be cool. So all right, outside of the, you know, three fights that they had in Vegas, 
uh, state of Nevada ended up loosening up some restrictions, so UFC was able to schedule a couple events down at the UFC Apex that they have there, at their facility they have there. It's kind of changed a couple things. For one, it made sure that the the next couple fights were in a smaller uh, octagon cage. Instead of 30 feet diameter, it was 25 feet diameter, so it's, it's a little bit more compact. That's what they use for like some of the smaller venues. So that was what they were going to decide to to use for the time being. Now they did set up a fight night. It was uh, Gilbert Burns versus uh, Tyron Woodley, former champion there at 170. Burns was just the up and comer man, and Burns really took it to him. Woodley seemed like he was hesitant all night, and Burns was the one that caught him with the best. Uh, um, best combinations he got the unanimous decision there with the win and really shot him uh himself up the the rankings man he's like jumped up super quick he looked really impressive and got that victory so woodley kind of coming back to his first fight since losing the belt to usman last year early last year it's been like about a year year and a half since he last gotten into the cage and he said he was a changed man, but like some of the issues that kind of plagued him in his more recent fights kind of you know, did the same. He looked comfortable enough out there, uh, just still hesitant to ex throw exchanges and was very conservative, I guess, with his attack. And I mean, Burns got some hands, so I understand doing so, but the fight game at a certain point you got to open yourself up and look to score and he wasn't doing that quite as much as he needed to to get the victory so man Woodley I don't know what's going on man. we'll see we'll see what happens we'll talk about him a little later um yeah UFC during that card they were taking better protocol they were taking two swab tests instead of just one had one at the hotel and another one at Wayne's they're at the, U the Jacksonville events they were just doing it once um at the weigh-ins there, and then they got they got some some complaints from how they handled the Jacare situation, so they 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 changed it up, they switched it up, so uh, there would be self isolation between the camps, uh, among the camps there. So yeah, let's see what's the next a big event. Um, yeah, UFC 250 that happened a couple weeks back. Uh, Gilbert's younger brother Herbert Burns he got a victory he got a finish and man there was some crazy knockouts in this one USC 250 Sean O'Malley and Cody Garbrandt holy fuck two fucking ridiculous knockouts um Sean O'Malley first fight coming back after two years suspension oh man starched uh, Eddie Wineland Wineland's a salty veteran who freaking will bring the fight to you man and he just Flash one punch knockout, bam! A walk away one too. Just like, eh, is what it is. So so nonchalant, man. So nonchalant. But then Cody's, Cody's was wild, fighting against Rafael Sunsiao. He was uh, he looked pretty good coming back. He looked very quick. Um, hands looked quick. Feet looked pretty pretty quick too. He was sticking and moving. But Sunsiao was like, kind of on the defensive for a little, uh, large parts of it. it. Wasn't opening up and couldn't couldn't time him and he had Cody up against the fence and Cody kind of knew that a sunset was going to open up ducked under 
the so Sun Sal kind of took his power off his punch that kind of grazed him on the chest as he ducked under and as he came back up he wham he threw a punch like spun like a top and just knocked us on out like so clean oh my god and it was the crazy thing about it was that whole co- that combination happened right as the buzzer it was like it was like uh sun Sal throw garbrand duck come up hit him knock him out and it's like immediately the buzzer buzzer sounded so i was like damn that was a crazy one crazy shit um i wonder who got uh bonus for that one not to look those are the same knockouts um let's see also got to get a big shout out to the kid cody stamen who got the unanimous decision victory he was fighting after his uh younger brother had passed away just recently so that was a pretty tragic uh turn of events there for him so big shout outs shout out to stamen getting that uh that done uh for his late brother we also had aljermaine sterling another impressive performance there the funk master over cody sanhagen he did it very quickly very impressive work done um so yeah, Aljamain, he's gonna move up uh, the 145 rankings and maybe get closer to that title shot. Who knows, man? Who knows? Very impressive. Most impressive victory though had to be Amanda Nunes. She just like handled business over there against Felicia Spencer. And Spencer, to her credit, was just taking the beating. She is such a tough chick. Um, Nunez a couple times it looked like she was letting off because she was just whooping that ass after about the first round, second round. The third and fourth rounds were just kind of brutal. You're just like, oh, ugh. And then by the fifth round, she kind of looked like she let up a little bit. She started to wrestle her a little bit more instead of uh, going in the striking exchanges. The best female fighter of all time, I'd say. Everyone who she's beaten, like, the way she's beat them has just been so fucking impressive. Like, man. Like, the Mount Rushmore of, like, UFC female fighters, like, she's pretty much took them all down. <laughs> all the sizes, man. She's, uh... She's kind of got nowhere else to go, so I understand she's talking about maybe retiring at this point. Because I don't know who else you would uh, you throw her away, really. Everybody else who's a possible opponent is got their flaws that she's either beat before or kind of taking care of the common opponents pretty pretty decently so I don't know where you go I don't know where you go with her man I don't know where to go one of the things that did happen at UFC 250 though we had this uh, uh, fighter Heinish who got back on the UFC card he had his corner man uh, originally test positive for COVID they took another test and found out the first one was a false negative or false positive, excuse me. So he ended up not having it. So they ended up putting him back on the card. So they they did their due diligence there. It just makes it so crazy with this testing that even if you get a certain result, it might not 100% be accurate there. So it's wild. It's wild stuff. Um, but yeah, we're getting more fights scheduled. UFC is going to be busy, man. They've been like the busiest people during this pandemic. It's like, damn it, the people who run Twitch. <laughs> like, so much shit going on. 
so much shit. Ooh. But yeah, UFC 251, that's going to be the next big pay-per-view. And that one's going to be the first pay-per-view on Fight Island, which they did announce is, is actually in Abu Dhabi. Yas Island in Abu Dhabi. Yas Island. <laughs> it's, uh... Man, Abu Dhabi is, uh... Somewhere the UFC's actually thrown events before, too. So a lot of people were disappointed. They're like, oh, man, I thought we were going to get some tropical-ass shit, man. They're like, nope. Nah, bitch. Gonna go to fucking the Middle East. Gonna be hot as shit. Um, but yeah, that fight, that uh, fight card is gonna be on September. Oh no, it's not September 11th. Um, July 11th, I should say. 7-11. Get you free slurping. Go watch some fights. The headlining event is gonna be Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns of all people. So, turns out Gilbert. Moving up the standings very quickly, getting that title shot. Some people think it's a little too early, but hey, considering what they could do with some of the fighters and some of the uh, lockdown restrictions, I think it's understandable on the UFC's part. They didn't want to match what Masvidal was going to ask for, so they decided, hey, let's get the, the discount option. And what's crazy, too, is that Usman and Burns both train... Uh, together at the same spot. So, yeah, they both train at the same facility, Sanford MMA in Florida. So that'll be interesting. That'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, man. So it's going to be a little awkward, most definitely. I wonder how many training partners are going to have uh, similar or shared. So... So, yeah, that kind of sucks that uh, they didn't, weren't able to get Masvidal involved there. But I think eventually they'll be able to get something. Hope I hope, I hope, because he's now in another tax bracket in terms of, like, the money that he's, like, generated and made from, you know, fighting. So I can understand why he feels entitled to, to having that, that, same, that same level of payment. So Or, or more, I, you know, depending on what the, the economics say about all that stuff. So... Uh, but yeah, Usman Burns, we got Alexander Volkanovsky fighting Max Holloway for the second time in the rematch. That should be some uh, some fireworks there. And we have uh, another a third a third belt on the line. This is the vacant one, uh, 25 pound belt. This is uh, or 135, I should say. It's uh, uh, Pe Peter Jan, Peter Jan. Versus uh, Jose Aldo. Aldo getting this title shot probably just because Cejudo called him out. He was saying that on the podcast. Because otherwise, it's like, man, how are you going to give this dude a title shot when he just got a lost in his first first fight at 135 to Marlon Moraes? Like, I understand the reasoning why. Uh, or like people were saying that like they don't they didn't agree with the decision which I I I'm totally for that I feel like Jose won that fight. It still stands as a loss on your record, man. Like I don't know, it's weird. It's weird that that's the matchup for the vacant belt, but hey. We're also gonna get Rose Namajunas versus Jessica Andrade the second. This one is chance for Rose to get that. Uh, you know, that vengeance. And yeah, we also have uh, Paige Van Zandt returning. 
is Jessica Rivas, I want to say. So it should be an interesting card. There's also going to be three other fights there. That one is on 7-11. There's going to be another one on the 15th, 18th, and the 25th there. So on the 15th, we're going to have Kelvin Cater versus Dan Ige going to headline that card. Um, let's see here. Benavidez and Figueredo um, is going to fight for the vacant 125-pound belt. That's going to be on the 18th. And it looks like uh, Robert Whitaker and Darren Till, they're going to headline the July 25th card. So those are some of your headliners there. And yeah, there's a couple other fights that are still working on. But, you know, USV and Masvidal, they said that they weren't able to come to terms for that title, like I mentioned before. Um, what else? What other matchmaking news? Uh, Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker, they're going to fight in Vegas at the fight night on June 27th or so, a week from tomorrow. They got some fights going on tomorrow. I know Volkov is fighting uh, Curse Blades. That is the, the headliner there. See some movement in the heavyweight division. That'll be cool to see. Let's see what other cards we got working on. Yoel Romero versus Uriah Hall. That's in the works for August. Sucks for Uriah Hall. He was one of those dudes who was in the mix and just couldn't travel. Or not Uriah Hall. Um, what am I thinking of? Um, excuse me. I'm thinking of Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is the one who couldn't get out of the UK to, to fight. But, uh, yeah. So it's... Uh, Yo Romero, Uriah Hall, so they're working for that one in August. Uh, Derek Lewis and Alexia Linick agreed to the August 8th card. Uh, Chris Weidman's going to be fighting versus uh, Akhmedov. Weidman still in the, still trying to get you know his name out there. He had the belt from 2013 to 2015, man. That's uh, it's been a while. It's been a while, man. Uh, the one dude people are asking about, John Jones, though. Uh, see what he's gonna do there at light heavyweight. Says he's open to a Reyes rematch. Dominic Reyes, um, if USC makes it, quote unquote, the reward worth the risk. John's trying to get paid too, so both John and Jorge, kind of putting on right now for fighters' pay. But uh, he's saying he was telling the UFC that they should send the deal for the fight against Francis Ngannou because that's the one that people have been talking about, right? Uh, he later tells him twi via Twitter that you ain't scaring nobody. I saw your heart. You're a big old mouse. I'll expose you. So, yeah, he was like poking at the bear there. Um, but eventually he was saying that the UFC is going to, it was unwilling to pay more for a super fight at heavyweight with uh, Francis. Which he was saying, Bones was saying that, like, look, if I'm going to move up, I'm taking a bigger risk. I'm with a greater chance of damage with some of these guys. So it's like, what are we doing? Like, I need to be compensated for that. So that's what he was saying. But Dana White thinks differently, though. He was saying that John Jones wanted an absurd amount of money, what he was saying, to, find, to fight him. Uh, Dana was quoting, he was saying that he wanted, he had mentioned he wanted Deontay Wilder type of money. And Deontay made like $30 million off of that last fight that he had. So, um, I want to say he made like five or six. John Jones did his last fight, so a little bit of a difference there. But Bones was saying that Dana was was lying about that. He said that it was absurd. Um, he said it was absolute bullshit. Um, 
White says that Jones asked for what Wilder got paid thirty million. That's what I said. Yep. Um, so yeah, Bones got pissed off and was saying, "Hey man, go ahead and release me from my contract if you're not gonna pay me." As a result, he said he was gonna vacate the light heavyweight belt. So we'll see if he stays true to his word and does so, or if he does decide to fight somebody at light heavyweight. Because if he doesn't fight, it might be Dominic Reyes uh, versus I don't know. Um, Jan Blakovic, because those are the two guys that they were talking about maybe facing uh, Bones next. Maybe Tiago Silva. Not Tiago Silva, what's his name? Um, Tiago Santos, Majeta. That guy. He blew out his knee early in that Bones fight. I wonder if he's healthy yet, so maybe, maybe if he comes back. But yeah, we'll, uh, speaking of big guys, guys in that size. Alexander Gustafsson, former opponent of Bones. He decided to hang up his gloves and retire last time out, but now he's going to end his retirement and he's going to fight up at heavyweight. Looks like he's going to fight for Riccio Verdum coming up. So we'll see how the bigger Gustafsson does. We saw a bigger um, Ovin St. Pru. He moved up to heavyweight and he took a decision loss there so we'll see if he can adapt we'll see if that helps him out or if he's going to maybe miss the speed element but sticking to the heavyweight title uh, picture looks like we have a little bit more clarity on that uh, division it's going to be Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Milchis for the third time for the trilogy so that's going to be at UFC 252 they don't have a location of where that's going to be yet, but it is going to happen in the U.S., and it's going to be on August the 15th. So, um, yeah, that's going to be going down. So a lot of people were curious to see what was going to happen. I know that DC said that he was he, he, he was saying that he was open to fighting Francis, which I think was a lot of bullshit. I think that was just negotiating to try to get... Um, try to get Stipe to the negotiating table. Stipe for the longest time was saying that look I can't train because nothing's open and also I need to like be available being a firefighter to help people which I mean it's true so I understand I understand he's, he didn't want to negotiate until things were like starting to open up and I think he's comfortable with being able to find uh, uh, being able to use his training facility and get his trainers and all of his you know Sparring partners and all that get kind of uh, up and ready. So, yeah, man, I'm excited. First two fights, pretty freaking uh, action-packed, man. That shit is wild. Bulls are throwing down. All right, what was I saying? Yeah, Blaze Volkov. We're going to fight tomorrow, as I mentioned. Um, let's see. Dana White saying that it uh, looks like Brian Ortega is going to be fight Korean Zombie. And the winner is going to get a title shot at the whoever wins between uh, Volkanovski and Holloway. Whoever wins that matchup. So, all right, we'll see. We'll see what happens. See if uh, T City gets back into the mix. All right, we're talking about Sahudo. He retired. Let's talk about him fighting Dillashaw. He says he will never do that after the drug failure. Um, yeah, he would come out from Volkanovski. Yeah, talk about that one. Uh, but yeah, 
No, Waylee Zhang was saying that she wanted Rosie and Ami Yunus, saying that that would be a good challenge for her. I hope that happens. If she beats Jessica, gets the uh, in that rematch, she can get a matchup with Wiley. Cause Andrade had the belt, and that's where that's where Wiley got it from. All right. Mm, let's see more UFC news. Um, the biggest dick in the <laughs> sport, I'd say, Colby Covington, the guy who shows up is the biggest dick. Presents himself as that. Um, yeah, he basically got kicked out of his gym at uh, American Top Team. Um, from Dan Lambert's, Lambert's American Top Team. There was a ban they had on trash talking amongst teammates. And they put that in place after he was talking a bunch of crap to people. And yeah, they basically decided to leave. Say Covington saying it's a blessing in disguise. And I feel like the other people are probably thinking that way too, his former teammates. But yeah, he says he wants Usman now. He wants that rematch. Um, or he wants the friends versus enemies bout versus Masvidal because they used to be training partners there at uh, American Top Team. So, yeah, we'll see what uh, what ends up happening there. Uh, so maybe the Masvidal fight. We know Usman's booked right now. So, um, but yeah, I, I guess technically that's not gonna happen because I think Tyron Woodley says that he's agreed to fight Covington. So Woodley Covington. Fight gets kind of back into the mix. I gotta give Covington the advantage, kind of in that one, just because he's he's more aggressive coming forward. Who knows? Woodley's got that counter power and might be able to catch him. Could happen. All right. Also in the 185, 170s range, this man by the name of Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, he actually has a fight with Jack Hermanson coming up on Fight Island on the 18th, July 18th. But um, it was actually reported that he is suspended by USADA after he had a positive weed test back in November. Uh, suspension was retroactive, though, so it ended up ending in March. So we kind of heard about it after it was already finished with. But, uh, yeah, so he's all done with now, and, yeah, he's able to that fight book, so... We'll see what happens with Kelvin, man. He's he's always a talented dude, but I don't know. It seems like uh, he's had his, his flash moments and he's unable to kind of put 100% of it out there consistently. So I hope he, hope he does well. All right, let's move to boxing a little bit. Boxing's been coming back. A lot of stuff happening there in that world. Um, damn, this is a long podcast. I'm going to break this shit up. This is going to be the return. We'll be back part one, part two. I have to start doing that man. anyway yeah this fights fights are happening man fights are getting scheduled talking about it again and a lot of people are interested in the heavyweight division and um, right now it's uh, yeah and there's a couple matchups that uh, need to take place uh, one of them being the third incarnation of Fury versus Wilder because Wilder has the rematch clause that needs to happen and then also Anthony Joshua has some mandatory challengers in uh, uh, Kubrat Pulev um, so they have a contract they had a contract to fight previous previously that uh, ended up getting canceled due to the coronavirus so um, 
But yeah, there's talk that Joshua and um, you know Fury they want to get things done. They want to have that super fight sometime soon. So uh, Pulev is not stepping aside though. He says he won't sign. He won't let him go. He says he signed a contract to fight me for Fury, and Fury also won't pay. Um, or excuse me for Joshua, but also Fury on his end, he says he's not going to pay Wilder to step aside. There's talks that he might you know he'd take a. Uh, Suitable sum of money to just say, all right, you can go ahead and fight Joshua. But Fury says he'd rather take his scalp again, so it seems like he's open to just throwing down, just getting it done with. But besides that, they did, uh, Joshua and Fury did agree to initial terms for a two fight deal, but that's all contingent on both guys getting victories and, you know, a few other things. So a lot of stuff has to kind of. The dominoes have to fall in place before you can get to that point. See if it happens. See if it happens. But in any event, fights are happening like now, as I mentioned. Tomp Rank is using MGM Grand in Vegas as a location to host a lot of events. And we had the Shakur Stevenson, Rafael Rivera fight that was scheduled for June 9th in Vegas. Uh, but. Unfortunately, Rivera had to miss the fight because of some travel issues coming from Mexico. So he ended up fighting Felix Caraballo in in the matchup. And Shakur got the stoppage. So uh, On that fight uh, card as well, there was a fighter, Michaela Meyer, who ended up testing positive coronavirus and ended up being pulled for the card. She was scheduled to fight Helen Joseph. And like the funny thing that happened there is that she... She said she tested positive, but days before and then right afterwards, she tested negative. Um, so, could have been a false positive, who knows, but they decided to take caution and just remove her, move her from the fight. Sucks for her, sucks for the fighters, but uh, especially since they don't get paid until they perform that night. So, they then, to, you know, they got to pay back all your trainers and, and all the equipment and, like, the gym time and everything, so... It sucks being able to uh, not being able to kind of have that uh, that payment. Still sacrificing and making the commitment and the effort to kind of go out there and give it your best, and not being able to give that get that shot. That does suck. But uh, this is new times. We're trying to figure out the whole safety protocols and all that stuff too. So we'll see see how that uh, that develops. Um, there are a couple other promotions that are trying to get back. Golden Boys trying to return in early July, also without fans. Uh, they're looking to get Ryan Garcia uh, about there, so we'll see who they can who they can convince to come over and get that fight. There's talks over Javante Davis Tank about him possibly fighting Leo Santa Cruz at 130 pounds. They were initially scheduled to fight in September at, or excuse me, this summer at Staples Center. So we'll see if they can get that done. Uh, let's see. Canelo Alvarez is looking to fight um, this guy, Sergey Derivianchenko. That's a tough name. <laughs> so Derivianchenko, they look like they're discussing a fight for September on the 14th at 168 pounds so we'll see if Canelo could take him out now there's a couple big names uh, 
in the heavyweight division who have pre- been retired for a while that are talking about making a comeback. Uh, one of those people being uh, Evander Holyfield. Looks like he's going to re- try to come back to return for some charity bouts. Um, he says he's open to fighting guys like Mike Tyson, probably. Ooh. Or probably more likely guy like Riddick Bowe, who's a friend of his. But yes, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Have you not seen the video yet? Holy shit, he looks fucking amazing. He looks crazy. He looks scary as fuck. It's just like, holy shit. He just started training recently. Looks like he's in pretty damn good shape. So he's looking to come back and do some uh, charity fights. Uh, he says a Holyfield rematch would be awesome, but he's also open for anyone. And there's rumors that that might be Tito Ortiz. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, after that video kind of went viral, he's been offered, like, a couple different things. Um, uh, Bare Knuckle Fight Championship, uh, the Bare Knuckle Boxing League, has offered him $20 million to compete in their, um, in their organization. Uh, there was also another promotion that offered him to fight, this journeyman guy, Giuseppe Angelo Cusamano. Uh, and even Tyson Fury says that he'd fight Mike Tyson in exhibition. He says hell yeah to that offer, so who knows if that would ever come to fruition. Dude's got some real fights to kind of prepare for, so maybe afterwards. But yeah, there's uh it's crazy, man. Tyson making a lot of appearances and showed up with Henry Cejudo and Vitor Belfort. I think Rashad Evans also and they, they showed up at AEW the, the wrestling. And they ended up starting a brawl with Chris Jericho. Uh, so, that was kind of wild. Who knows, man? Who knows, man? So, just stepping into the fake ring there. Kind of cool seeing him talk that crap, though. Kind of cool. Bring him back. Just want him to be healthy. Just want everybody to be healthy, man. Alrighty. Alrighty. Let's see. Yeah, let's finish up with some world news, and then I'll let you go on your own way. All right? All right. This COVID shit has just been fucking dominating everybody's minds and thoughts. And we still want to know. We still want answers, man. We still want to know what the hell happened. And there's still the rumor that it might have been from a Chinese lab. It's still being looked into. It's so crazy. The thoughts right now is that most likely it probably wasn't, but I mean, the fact that we still don't have an originating source, the original thought of how it was going to be for, uh, you know, in that market, in the wet market from the bats and all that, and the pangolins and, and all this shit and all that stuff, well, it turns out that that's not the original source, so somebody had the disease went to the market and spread it to other people but it doesn't mean it necessarily started there so now they're trying to figure out where the fuck is this thing happened where it came from man um so yeah it's like it's hard to trust a lot of the information that's coming from china because i mean there was a lot of uh criticism on his part about or on their part about you know under reporting the death toll well they ended up raising that number by 50% in Wuhan which is the city where the outbreak started so it's like come on what the fuck are we doing man uh, there was an issue there was a, 
a case that was brought about in Korea since they're starting to reopen society. As I mentioned, their sports leagues got up and running before Europe really did and before the U.S. kind of came around. But uh, there was another outbreak that happened at a, at a gay club over there in South Korea. And there was a uh, uh, backlash in the media against kind of like the gay community for not taking it as serious. So like there was a lot of uh, issues and fears of like a lot of homophobia that's going on in South Korea. So, yeah, man, it's tough. It's tough. People just got to be smart regardless of what whatever place you like to dwell, whoever you like to, you know. Uh, do the fun stuffs with so um, yeah so now there's like fears of homophobia going on over in South Korea so that's fucking wild man um, on the other side of the border on the north side uh, looks like their leader Kim Jong-un still alive there was rumors that he had died he made a public appearance uh, his first time in a few weeks um, and there was rumors that his uh, sister was going to take over but uh, not currently so, um, yeah, so he came on, said he's going to bolster the nuclear deterrence. He's still going to keep doing this shit. So nothing new. Nothing's changed, really. I know Trump took a lot of photo op pictures with the guy, but nothing's changed yet. So, yeah, with that. Um, still problems. Still problems in this world, guys. Let's see. Uh, still talking about uh, COVID. Let's see COVID in America. Um, yeah, the death tolls it's jumped up, man. It's at as of the 28th of May, it, w- it had reached that uh, 100,000 death toll uh, plateau. So uh, not not good news there. Yeah, they're saying currently it's been how long? Um, about three four weeks since that date happened, and it's. We're currently at 121,000 uh, confirmed deaths from COVID. So, uh, at that point, the U.S. was the number one uh, country with the most confirmed cases and deaths. Um, I think a couple Latin American countries may have jumped up and taken that mantle, unfortunately, from the U.S. Uh, but yeah, there was controversy. Trump had uh, his administration bearing a 17-page report about. Uh, uh, giving advice on the reopenings from the CDC. Um, at the same time, his military valet tested positive on uh, May the 6th. Mike Pence's press secretary tested positive on May the 8th. And this dude's still showing up at rallies and factories and stuff without any masks and, and still talking crap to people. And this isn't like even outside of the, the horrible stuff that he's been talking about the protesters, calling them thugs and whatnot. And, um, so, I mean, this is the fact that he's using the, the National Guard trying to get them everywhere to get people riled up. I feel like it's and then using the the military to get people off of the front of the church just for his photo shoot for him showing, holding a Bible like he's holding a freaking menu at a diner or something. Uh, it's wild. Wow, a lot of problems, a lot of issues with this. Uh, this response there. Um, good news though, there was a 103-year-old grandmother named uh, Jenny Stainer. She beat coronavirus, and what she do right after? Asked for a Bud Light. So, <laughs> shout outs to you, uh, Miss Stainer. Stainer. 
And yeah, 103 years old, man. What a trooper. What a trooper. Got a. Apparently, I was reading that like her family says she always snuck off to drink a couple beers and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's the kind of person I want to see. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Some of the people surviving COVID. All right. So yeah, I guess in California, things are supposed to be reopening slowly. They've been opening restaurants, bars. Some places have been, you know, opening more of their services than they have been in the past. And California did enter stage two of the reopening last month on like May the seventh. Um, certain retailers like clothing stores, bookstores, music shops, florists will be allowed to open with curbside options. On the 26th, Mayor Garcetti said that all retail businesses that include drive-ins or places of worship can reopen as long as they observe protocols. Uh, ironically, on that same day, the LA County Public uh, Department of Public Health confirmed 27 new deaths and 1,843 uh, new cases, which was the largest spike in one day reporting. However, the reporting had a, a backlog over the long weekend at that time, so yeah. So I mean, we're opening up, numbers are kind of going up, but at the same time, it's like, are they related? Is it manipulation of the numbers to get a certain outcome? Like, there's so many more questions that we got out here, man. Then we have answers. It's weird. It's weird, man. It's weird. Some people are just not giving a damn about these regulations, and one of those people being Elon Musk. Um, he had Tesla's uh, factory facility up and working, man. He's been pushing the boundaries. Uh, in Fremont, he had a full parking lot in, in May, which basically told him that they were up and running, despite the fact that the county had orders of people not to. Um, one of the reasons why he might want to do this, uh, well, it was announced that he hit his $769 million payday via stocks after he reached a financial performance goal, which he set up. Um, so he only makes money if his company performs and that's the way his salary is basically set up. So he doesn't make a monthly salary, yearly salary, yearly income. So yeah, that's the first part of his $55 billion compensation package that he could hit if he does all of the, um, you know, hits all those financial woes pretty much. So yeah he wants those dudes up and moving so i mean maybe not 100 percent just for his benefit but doesn't hurt his ass if the dude uh you know gets that stock option at the end so money's a big motivator like we mentioned before it might be the biggest one in people's lives as uh, good or bad as that is with them Speaking of the economy, though, um, man, this COVID shit has hit some places harder than others, and there's been some outbreaks. Uh, a lot of them happened in, like, factory settings. Uh, one of them happened in uh, the Marshawn Instant Ramen Noodle Factory in Virginia, man. There's seven people ended up testing positive there. Tyson Foods had to shut down some pork plants. They had a Tyson's, uh, uh, they had a, a plant in Storm Lake, Iowa. They had 555 employees that tested positive. Um, that's about 22% of their whole workforce. And that's a month after Trump ended up ordering slaughterhouses to reopen because they had these issues. So uh, they're trying to forge ahead and get the meats products out there and stuff like that. But man, 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 putting people at risk too. 
Yeah, I've been reading a good amount of the articles of those people and uh, working in these plants. A lot of slaughterhouses uh, where they got to work shoulder to shoulder next to each other and along assembly line. It's bringing up a lot of issues, man. Those are not designed for people to be socially distant. So, I mean, it's everywhere, man. It's even here in L.A. It's, uh, there's the city of Vernon that lives like right next next to us. I mean, I could like it's like a mile or two away. They're their own uh, in incorporated city within like Los Angeles, um, mostly for like tax saving purposes. And a lot of businesses work there, right? So, um, Farmer John's, the sausage making company, they they had an outbreak at nine of their facilities, and that uh, um, includes their processing plant over here. They had 153 out of 1,837 employees test positive from March through May. 41 of those people ended up coming back to work too, man. So it's like, damn. Makes you, makes you wonder, man. Makes you wonder. Um, there's other cases popping up in SoCal. There was a, a case that was tied to a party in Pasadena. Uh, they say that the quote-unquote selfish behavior uh, led to that. Uh, officials say there was five cases total from that party. Um, let's see. There was a case of people who had social distancing violations in the city of, uh, the town of Brooklyn, city of Brooklyn, in New York City. Um, yeah, clear racial biases in how this is being applied because 35 out of the 40 people who were arrested were black. And there was four brown people and one white person out of that 40 people. What the fuck? You know damn well the numbers of people who live in Brooklyn are not to that scale. Currently. Come on now. Can't use these laws the way you use fucking the weed laws and stop and frisk and all that stuff, man. Like, that is wild, man. Fucking wild, man. Got problems. We got problems with policing. And we got problems with jailing, too, so. I mean, this COVID and, and like, the jail system... It's been running through places, man. There was prisoners at the L.A. County Jail who got accused of deliberating trying to affect themselves with the disease just with the thought that they might be able to get released sooner. Um, there's footage of this happening. There's 21 new cases after they show that they had they had a mask that they think someone was sick was, was wearing. So other people were sniffing into the mask and they had the same like styrofoam cup and people were sharing that as well too so they're spreading the virus around and there's prisoners who got the disease and they did not get released so yeah they got the wrong info there man but that's just like the links that people will go to try to improve their situations man it's freaking sad and they're not like spacing people out not giving them enough you know resources to clean themselves stay hygienic all that stuff man Oh, stuff, stuff, man. Let's see here. Um, yeah, one of the dudes who got released from prison though was freaking Paul Manafort, man. Uh, he's gonna have the remainder of his seven-year term under, uh, you know, house arrest, home confinement. So, I mean, I was I was saying that it would be smart to release certain prisoners. It just sucks that it's like people who you don't want. Are the people who like are high profile cases? So he's under house arrest now. What is he gonna do? Um, there's an immigrant detainee who had it. 
uh, and ended up passing away in custody here in California. And I was done May the 7th. So, I mean, that's another group of people who are not getting um, proper care and taking, you know, look at once. If they're in, if they're going to be in custody, you got to take care of them when you're in custody. If not, there's other solutions that you could have for people who have, like, come across. There's other techniques that they've used in the past that have had no issue. Yeah, there's a concern about immigrants coming and infecting people here. And one of the places leading the way in terms of a number of cases is Brazil right now. So, I mean, Trump ended up uh, blocking travel from the country after they had cases surge. I said he said he's considered closing the Mexican border now, but no, no action done quite yet. But uh, like I mentioned before, the Latin America has taken over. They now have 40% of the daily coronavirus deaths uh, over that much uh, in the world. Mexico has been hitting some some records. They had over 500 deaths per day as of last month, May the 26th. U.S. had around 620, and Brazil was at 800 at that point, too. Mm. But yeah, the death, death toll is like due to coronavirus versus the overall death toll. I think the overall death toll gives you a better idea in terms of the impact because they're looking at Mexico City. They have four times as many deaths this year than they did last year, man. Freaking wow. Mm. Crazy. Fucking crazy, man. So my thoughts and prayers are to everybody out there, and I hope they're doing as best they can. I hope the government starts to help out the people when they need it, which is like now, which was yesterday. The day before that, and years, decades before that too, but now especially, especially. There's a lot of places that don't have that uh, social safety net to kind of help. There's a lot of people suffering. That's that's the truth, and that's the fact about it. So, something to look out for there. As we hopefully get a handle on it here in this country, see how it affects other poor, less well-off places. So. Uh, sad to report as well, too, that Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy ended up passing away at the age of 75 from complications due to coronavirus. This was done last May. Uh, another performer, Jerry Stiller, uh, father to Ben Stiller, Seinfeld actor. Um, had a lot of comedic roles. He ended up passing away at the age of 92 as well. Very unfortunate there. Um, condolences there to the Stiller family. Jerry was a legend, man. That dude was, was funny. Older age. Yeah, real funny. Um, let's see what other stories we got. There's a surfer that got killed in a shark attack in Monterey Bay. Yo, watch out. Sharks are out there. I feel like they probably a little bit more... I feel like animals are currently maybe a little more aggressive since we've been so cooped up. And they kind of reclaim some territory and stuff like that. So, man, be careful. Be careful out there, man. Shark attacks are crazy, man. Cause it's like you're in their home. You're in their territory. They ain't in your territory. You're in their territory, man. So you gotta be careful. All right. So, um, some music-related news, man. Uh, they officially announced that Coachella was gonna get canceled. So it's not gonna happen for 2020. They're gonna bring it back as they're normally scheduled to do uh, to do next uh, uh, late April 2021. So. 
smart decision. Stagecoach as well. So no Coachella Stagecoach in 2020. Sad, but it's, uh, it's what they got to do to be safe. sad that's sad there's been some new music that's been coming out though recently uh i saw sobrb they came out with some new music uh yeah to and the boy e40 had a new album all black run the jewels run the jewels had a really good album too those are some of the ones i listed on here i'd uh go pay those uh, a listen i think those are pretty good um oh yeah freaking chromio came out with their quarantine little ep thing I was jamming. I need to listen to that one one more time through. I've uh, seen a few movies. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I watched that one after watching our, our Bruce Lee. Um, Doc, man, they made him look arrogant in that one. It was a good. It was a pretty good movie. A little interesting how the choice of they wrapped it up and how the characters kind of intertwined with each other. But like I was shot. I don't know. Like a Tarantino flick, so it's not traditional. It's like the storytelling, so I get that. But you know. uh, also saw King of Staten Island. Uh, that was a good performance. Sir Bill Burr, Marissa Tomei was pretty good in it. Uh, Pete Davidson was did did well at times. Similar thing. I think the the actors and the performances are really good. Storyline, Judd Apatow flick. It's decent. I don't know. It's a lot of flicks that just seem kind of... They don't have that traditional ending where it's like the, the natural happy stuff. So it kind of leaves you kind of wondering how the future turns out for the characters. But I thought they had some good funny parts, good funny moments. I thought it was a good vehicle for sure. And recently saw this other flick, man, Ready or Not. That was uh, one that came out last year. That was pretty crazy. A little action... Um, thriller, kind of sci-fi-ish too. That whole, that whole side of it. Yeah, that was a good flick though. Um, saw that with Norman Wade VJ. Um, got HBO Max, man. Gotta take advantage of that when I can. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I ain't got much else to add. You've been hearing me talk a fuck ton. And I think I'll close this up, man. Uh, I hope everybody's cool. Try to do these more consistent so this isn't goddamn, you know, Dude, this is too fucking long, man. I'm making this shit. I gotta condense, man. I gotta edit. I gotta learn how to do that stuff. I'm learning, man. This is 83 episodes into this bitch, and we still figuring this out, man. Alrighty. So, yeah, this has been the Puro Caballero Show. This is your host, Mark Caballero. Once again, you can follow me at Puro Caballero. We on Instagram and Twitter. I'm mostly just IG. And, yeah, we have an Instagram account for this page, for this uh, podcast. It's at the Puro Caballero show. You found this. You should be able to find it, man. All right. Um, stay safe, everybody. Um, world is kind of getting back to normal, little bit by little bit, but you still gotta be. You gotta take your precaution as much as you can. Just be healthy, mental health, physical health, all that stuff. It's all important. It all relates to each other. So. 
Yeah, we'll close it with this one. We give you a little bit of a positive outlook on the end. Um, give you a little house feel. So Oliver Dollar and Jimmy Jules. This one is called Pushing On. So I hope everybody has a good time because we trying to get back to normal. All right, take care. Yee.